Alright, hello and welcome to the 11th annual Mildly Pleased Awards presented by Sean Lenny, John Utner, and Colin Westman. This is our salute to the media that doesn't get enough credit. The stuff that actually fills up most of our time. The stuff that is uh, maybe a little flawed, maybe just okay. Uh, the L of the BLT. Yeah. <laughs> the lettuce of media. Mm-hmm. Hey, we don't like it, but we need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't regret it. Yeah. Some people just... really hate tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Some people really love bacon. Everybody's like... Lettuce is fine. That's fine. I guess I'm happy. Yeah, I think everyone's super passionate about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, guys, 2022 was the year that we ba- bounced back. Uh, yeah, kind of. I don't know. As in much some, as we in could. Some ways. <laughs> in some ways. Just went back. Yeah, I guess by I guess by by comparison the previous years. Yeah, I, as yeah, as imperfect as a of a year as it was, it still was kind of the first year in a while that didn't feel like ugh, this is this is the worst one. It can't get any worse than this. <laughs> like it didn't feel like that. It was like, you know, there have been worse years than this. And pretty much all of them happened in the last five years. You know, it was just incrementally getting worse and worse until 2020. And then, I don't know, 2021, I don't know, wasn't wasn't what we expected it to be. I mean, it got off to to a pretty rocky start. With the yeah. government almost being overthrown. But at the same time, at the end of 2020, it was like, oh, they got a COVID vaccine. Like, we're we're going to get rid of that thing. And then it, it didn't quite happen that way. Uh, so, yeah. so maybe what you're saying is it's just like the, the order of events really matter. It's um, like yeah, we were it, able to like live with the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned because it happened in the middle of the year. You get to instead focus on stuff like well, that that is definitely yeah, that's the red one wave the didn't things. happen. But we we have seen that like in a lot of these states, there's there's I feel like people are trying to push further legislation, and it has not been popular with your with average Americans. So you like to think that that'll bounce back, but yeah, that was that was quite a hit. Also, it happened while we were on vacation, which is very weird. We were in Hawaii. Yeah, it's very strange that the worst news event of the year happened during, like, the best week of our year. Yeah. Personally. Because it was, uh, yeah, we were in Hawaii celebrating our colleague Matt Karsten's wedding. That just means we got a little taste of what... The one percenters live like. 
Yeah, that's what it's probably like for them all the time. Just watching the world burn, but still being like, I don't know, I'm having a great time. Yeah, I'm in paradise. I don't care. <laughs> well, there you go. So there's the secret. Um, just do that just and you'll be have a pretty rich. good time. Yeah. Guys, yeah. the first topic that we talk about now, now that I eliminated the video games category because it's boring, is viral videos, which is still a pretty Sean-heavy category. Yeah. But I got to admit, it's getting harder and harder every year because a lot of the good stuff that goes viral is on TikTok. And you know who's not on TikTok is me. Um, We're so, too old. I do rely on stuff getting reposted to Reddit uh, to find out about what's going on on the TikTok. Uh, and I do call it the TikTok to make myself sound TikTok. even older. I mean, will TikTok even be around like in like another couple of years? Aren't they trying to shut it down for... I mean, they've been trying to shut it down for a while. Yeah. People seem I mean, to just like it too much. Yeah. None of this, none of this shit really lasts. But that's true. It some of it lasts a while. <laughs> Facebook yeah. does still exist, even though it's only for boomers. Feels like TikTok has lasted longer than Vine, right? I maybe not. I actually don't know. Mm. Oh, Feels right to me. Did, have we been doing the mildly pleased awards before Vine started? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Wow. I bet okay. there were some vines on those early. Uh, Early mildly pleased ones. Wow. Did anybody I mean, Vine, look up like how many years we've been doing this now? We've been doing it for eleven years. Oh, eleven. You said eleven. Sorry. Oh, wow, eleven. These go to eleven. Eh? <laughs> all, all we literally always funny. So yeah, uh, that encompassed the entire time of Vine because Vine went from January 2013 to January 2017. Wow. <laughs> So we're like better than Vine, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, just we're as popular. Around. Just as popular. Our first nominee this year is the It's Corn video. This is the uh, Songify remix of uh, a, a man interviewing a child about his passion for corn. I was definitely surprised to see that these these people that that do these song remix parodies whatever you want to call them were still around because they've been doing it for a while i mean i remember the the whole charlie sheen tiger blood one i think that was the first one i was aware of i can't remember if that was before or after oh my goodness oh my damn <laughs> around the same time so it's probably I'm, before okay. it's it's cool to see them still doing it because the song parodies are pretty good um, but just like, I mean, you definitely get tired of it. And also the content isn't the video, like the original video, it's not that funny. <laughs> it's a kid excited about corn. People got a little too excited about this. Um, I mean, that kid is on cameo. Oh my God. And I'm sure he's got lots of like corn sponsorships. Probably Jolly Green Giant represents him now or something. <laughs> it is. I don't. It's funny in a way because this is like. There's a period where I was like, remember when like, 
Numa Numa and Chocolate Rain. Like, I feel like I, I thought like that kind of dumb stuff. Like, we didn't have like those kinds of internet mm. celebrities anymore. And then this mm-hmm. came out, and I'm like, oh shit, no, we can still get like very niche internet celebrities. Well, there's also the guy who was drinking the uh, cranberry juice a few years ago. Good. You, that's yeah, that's a perfect example. <laughs> they they happened. Or to, to a lesser extent, I, you know, I just remember Chewbacca Mom too. They still happen. Yeah, but it feels like there's only one a year, basically. Like, like people that become celebrities, and then it's like, okay, now what do they do? <laughs> I mean, I guess Nothing. corn kid can at least talk about corn. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can like bring him into some sort of corn cook-off, and he could be a judge. That's a fun novelty. But also, he's got his whole life ahead of him. He's got his whole life ahead of him. I'm hoping a lot of potential there. Yep. Yeah. Um, always a little iffy when it's a, a child at the center of this kind of phenomenon. Hmm. Like, are, is Charlie bit my finger doing okay? I don't know, man. I hope so. I fucking hope so. Charlie. <laughs> I wonder how old those kids are. Probably like 30. <laughs> um... The next one I put up here is, uh, it looks like the title of it is, maybe it's the job description. It's a video that someone put on on TikTok. It's a, it's a bunch of duets where he's he's taking people dancing in their various professions, uh, whether it be McDonald's or Best Buy or wherever, um, and then just cut to himself reacting to it where he's like, uh, I don't know, just over it. He's like, I'm just trying to check out, you know, and you're dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what really puts this video over the top for me is he's not put any music in the video. Instead, he's put <laughs> the sound of, like, sneakers squeaking on on a hard floor. Yeah. Um, which I think is, like, is an important reminder of how these things are shot. Um but it just adds that extra layer of absurdity to this video that, that made it a good time for me to watch. Yeah, I mean, the the reaction of the guy, he's got pretty much the same reaction every time, which is just kind of like, doesn't know what to do. It's just awkward. Mm-hmm. And the, the sound editing, and then I like the fact that there's subtle costume changes for a certain... <laughs> settings like when there's he's wearing like a, a safety vest or whatever when he's wearing construction guys and stuff yeah that's all very fun uh you know and there's a lot of dancing videos on tiktok so it's fun to get this kind of like reaction type video i think anytime people kind of peel back the veil on how social media and, and any media is actually produced it's it's interesting <laughs> and funny yeah, it makes you, it, you know, makes you see like how just kind of lame it is sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any anytime people are posting videos of like going to the beach and like all the influencers are taking photos and stuff like that, that's all content I'm interested in. I'm just putting that out there for the algorithm. Algorithm, if you're listening, I'm into that. But Sean, are you into practicing soft smiles? I sure am. This was uh, really fun. 
Um, this video is a, uh, a woman, uh, she films herself, you know, I'm guessing after the fact, but she's saying she's practicing her, her smile for her wedding. Um, and then it smash cuts to um, her actual wedding photos, and she's just so happy. She's got the biggest smile you've ever seen, but it, it's, like, it's so big it looks kind of goofy. Um, I think they're great photos, and I, I'm guessing she does too, but it's a, it's, a, it's a jarring disconnect between what she was going for and what the actual photos look, for, look, look like. Um, and I don't know if you guys know this, this kicked off a whole uh, trend on TikTok. This wow. became a, a, a genre of video that people were doing. Like they do the same kind of video where it's them trying to practice and then a bad photo of them smiling or something? Yep. That's fun. I, I like ones like that. We all have embarrassing videos and photos of us, so relatable. Yeah, this is one where it's like, I feel like I knew where it was going, but still you can't quite anticipate what the payoff is going to look like. So did not disappoint in that respect. Your smile is just so big. You know what I mean, Colin? Like, so big. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, you explained soft smiles. Can you explain a board game? I think I can, but I'm extremely related to this video by uh, ProZD, yeah. uh, a.k.a. Uh, uh, what is it? Someone. Someone. Yeah. Um, where he's, you know, to to himself at different camera angles, trying to explain the rules of a board game, and immediately one of the guys is just like, I don't know. That, that guy's me, definitely. Oh, I don't know. This is going to I don't know. <laughs> Won't even entertain the rules. And the other one's kind of like belligerently demanding he explain things out of order. Um, which is extremely relatable. Uh, really, the only thing he needed was another character to be like, Hey, you didn't explain this. You're cheating. <laughs> Which is uh, the worst feeling when oh you either forgot to explain <laughs> something or someone just didn't retain the <laughs> explanation and then it comes up later and they get pissed about it. Uh, I mean, this this the, the, the challenge with board games is they're not video games. There's nothing to enforce the rules but other people and you all have to understand <laughs> them. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I got a real real kick out of this you know, what was this like a minute oh yeah <laughs> I mean video. I watch I, feel like, I think I've maybe seen all of his sketches I think so <laughs> I think I've seen all of them I've been watching him for years I think this one was really good but I think my favorite one from this year is he did one where it was like um, a really serious anime like drama about like a pizza chef and he's doing like a scene from it where he's like talking about quitting and he's like taking off his hat and he's like crushing it and then the joke is like how these shows have like will then have a theme song that doesn't match what you just saw. So it's like this really dramatic moment, and it's like when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like a Sailor Moon wand, and uh, but I, I specifically love it when he talks about like yeah, like games, like just games and culture, and just you know, I don't know how old he is, but I, it definitely is stuff that like oh man, this is like. Yeah, this is the stuff that I think about. <laughs> so I can definitely relate to it. Very funny. And he survived Vine. Good for him. Yeah. Survived Vine. 
<laughs> but can you survive strong edibles, Sean? I'm not sure that I can, to be honest. I can't. Um, I get it. So this video is a guy recording himself in his car. Um, and I, I feel like the, the big line for me is... Uh, what are you running from? <laughs> he's uh, he's extremely high off of an edible, and he's talking about how he just wanted to go shopping in Target, and he, he can't because he's just that high. I mean, for me, the best part is when he says, "Like he, he needs someone to help him because he's in a spaceship and he doesn't know how to fly it." <laughs> <laughs> I just love the thought of you're so high that it, your car now seems like some sort of futuristic device that you could not even begin to comprehend. That is very funny to me. And it, it, what's also impressive is like, I was like, I, this seems too funny to be real, but like, it seems real. Like, and I don't know. <laughs> so I think that's, that's impressive. I don't know. Is it real? He's just a is funny guy. He's just a funny guy. Either it doesn't matter if it's real or if it's fake or whatever. It's let's, funny. Let's look him up. Let's see. Like, is he do? His name is Daddy Fat Stacks on TikTok. That's a good let's name. See what else he's doing. <laughs> it, it seems like his genre is he's in his car talking to the camera. <laughs> I don't know. I would have guessed real, but I could definitely imagine it being fake. I was say he he seems really different in these other videos. Okay. Um. So I I, I mean it could be he's just a, a great actor, but it could also be his sober okay. vibe is different. He's a great actor. Give him a Star Wars show. <laughs> Give him a Star. Wars. <laughs> he's got to fly a spaceship. <laughs> All right. So those are the nominees. Who's taking home? Do we have a name for our trophy? The pleasy. <laughs> we don't have a trophy, John. I'm just, you know, I, I just like <laughs> if to there was a theoretical a trophy. Yeah. Is it one of those packets from Taco Bell that says mild? <laughs> Encased in gold. Encased in gold. I like that. Uh, this is I feel like we discussed yeah. what a trophy would look like at one point. I think it's I think just like did. a guy shrugging. It's a guy sh- shrugging like that. I, yeah. I do like mild <laughs> sauce, though. Yeah. Uh, both as a concept. Who and gets that, way. by the way? Who's that for? I usually go a little hotter. <laughs> I feel like getting yeah. mild is embarrassing. At Taco Bell, it's like, yeah, I just wanted it to be wet. Like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, well, are you saying that, like, why are you getting any sauce, or it should be hotter? Where's your stance? I'm saying it doesn't add, it says it, it, it's mild, so it doesn't add any flavor. Okay, You're just yeah. making your food wet. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, those, you know, taco can be dry. You gotta keep it wet. Nice and nice. <laughs> gotta keep it wet. <laughs> um, well, it's, t- well, it's corn, it's corn has the juice. It's an important part. Uh, but it's so fucking annoying. <laughs> it's definitely the one people will remember. Yeah. 
Do we give it to the popular favorite or we do it? Do we give it to our personal favorite? I mean, my personal favorite is trying to explain a board game just because I'm such a big ProZD fan. Um, yeah, I really like that one too. As someone who plays board games but often struggles with the rules. But isn't give it to him. About it's it. funny because I feel like, yeah, Colin and I are the guys confused, and Sean is the guy explaining the game. Yeah, so I just we don't. We all relate to a different aspect, though. Yeah. I just don't interrupt Sean when he's giving the rules. I just try to listen, but, like, I, I, don't, I don't get all of it. So then we start playing, and I'm like, <laughs> what is this do again? Yeah. <laughs> I just act like I know what the rules are, but then once we start. <laughs> It becomes obvious that I don't know the rules. Yeah, but I mean, that's part of it, too, is I feel like you don't really get the rules until you start playing the game. Yeah. Alright, let's move into event. It's back. We're doing events again. Yeah, so this was a category I think we got rid of in 2020 because the news was too bad that year. And then it was also too bad last year too i guess and this year yeah still kind of bad but at least we were able to find some news events that were like humorous or stupid or you know just just weird that they happened but i guess they were mildly pleasing in a way they weren't bad news events they weren't great but they just kind of happened there was maybe some something to find a little bit enjoyable about them. Uh, so the first one is Don't Worry Darling having a weird premiere filled with lots of drama. I feel like it was just the whole production of it. It was everything. It was everything. Yeah, there's so much. I'm not even sure where to start. It's I mean, like it all that like... stuff is, is more fun than the movie that was made. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, because that's a movie me and John saw and was too bad to even be nominated for most mildly pleasing movie. This this is a good good way to bring it into the conversation. Yeah. Uh, Because it's Olivia Wilde's second movie, and then it all became about her whirlwind affair with Harry Styles, uh, who was the uh, co star of Florence Pugh. And then there's a feud between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde. Um, I guess a lack of professionalism because of this affair. Like, that kind of resulted in just a weird vibe on set. Yeah. Well, and also, I, it seemed like she had a problem with... Um... So, Harry Styles was brought in to replace Shia LaBeouf on Don't Worry Darling. Yes. And um, publicly, Olivia Wilde was saying... Um, because of the abuse allegations against Shia LaBeouf uh, by Twigs, uh, that um, that she had removed Shia LaBeouf to, to make the set more more safe. Um, but then it sounds like privately, and we have the receipts on this, uh, Olivia Wilde was like, oh man, I love you Shia LaBeouf so much. You're, you're the best, and I hate this Miss Flo. We gotta put her in her place. <laughs> like, uh, really weird uh, negging of, of Lawrence Pugh um, that generated a lot of 
weird buzz about what this premiere was going to be like when they're finally forced to be in the same place together. Is is the premiere where it looks like um, somebody was like spitting on somebody, right? Where it looks like that. Harry Styles. Yeah. Spits. Well, I feel like there were also various instances of Chris Pine staring off into space during press events. Yes. <laughs> like there was the one interview where him and Harry Styles uh, were just doing like a junket interview. And Harry Styles talked about how he liked being in the movie because it feels like a movie. And Chris Pine's just sitting there like stone faced. <laughs> you were saying he was dissociating. Yeah. Hey, at least he showed up, man. Florence Pugh wa- wasn't even there. Yeah, I mean, Chris Pine's, Chris Pine's not even in the movie that much, but he <laughs> he showed up for the weird premiere and didn't seem to enjoy himself. Um, I think another piece of context that's interesting is that uh, because Discovery purchased... Um, HBO this year, or Warner Brothers, or whatever you want to call that company. Um, mm-hmm. They canceled a lot of their uh, cinematic slate. Um, so I believe for the back half of 2022, their, their only movies were Don't Worry Darling. Um, and there's maybe one other. Oh, Black Adam. And everything else got bumped. Um, so the, there's that extra layer of like this premiere is happening and this huge company has made a massive bet on it being a hit. <laughs> and then all this amateur bullshit is going on. <laughs> one of the stars spit on one of the other stars. Legend. Then they had to go along and pretend like, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. That was weird. The important thing is the, the movie was, was so good. <laughs> It was memorable, but was not, memorable. not in a good way. <laughs> Another memorable, but not in a good way, story. Well, but actually, before we segue into this, I feel like we should mention it feels connected to the other one, because this was definitely like one of the last, I feel like, hurrahs of Twitter. Of just this whole rollout of people talking about this weird premiere <laughs> before our next entry. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say Elon Musk would like definitely participate in this. Don't worry, darling. No, I think he just real. kind of killed uh, Twitter being fun anymore. But yeah, as Sean was saying, Elon Musk bought Twitter this year. The important thing is he was forced to buy Twitter. To me, that's yeah. the funniest part is that <laughs> um, he made a hilarious, gigantic offer for Twitter. Way more than it's worth. I think it was $44 billion, which is you know more than the U.S. spends on fighting climate change every year. Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> So he spent his $44 billion, uh, or no, he pledged that, like, in a tweet, of course, uh, early in the year, and then uh, Twitter was like, yeah, we'll take that offer, and this uh, instigated a potential legal battle between Twitter and Elon Musk about uh, 
his offer to buy the company and then in the end he had to sell a bunch of stock um, and buy the company uh, and then the real shit storm started <laughs> well the important thing is uh, he's had a lot of good ideas for the company like blue check marks you can just remember, buy one yeah remember when he walked into twitter hq holding a sink and he was like i'm the head of twitter let that sink in Yeah, yeah, he thinks he's so funny. He and just wants right. to be funny. That's all he wants, and he'll never that's get why, it. That's why he went and made an appearance at a Dave Chappelle show. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. That was... That might be my favorite part of all of this. <laughs> just because he genuinely seemed shocked. Like, he genuinely didn't realize he was that unpopular. Like, he thought this was the crowd, you know, that favored him I, I don't even know what that crowd is now that goes to Dave Chappelle's shows and hates Elon Musk yeah. but hey, he's yeah. that unpopular <laughs> and just the fact that he's like oh you know it's all about gonna be all about free speech and I feel like people are getting banned left and right if they like make fun of him or impersonate him it's just so embarrassing yep. and he's letting white supremacists and uh January 6 people and all these bad conservative folks come back onto Twitter. Um, and it's, it's just that's the same bullshit that you know everyone expected, but happening a lot faster than I think I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he just wants to, you know, all all his conversations, all his uh, alleged support of free speech is just a, a veiled way of saying that he wants hate speech back on Twitter. Um, and he can't hack it. He can't hack it when people actually stand up to him and point out his hypocrisy, um, make fun of him for his shitty decisions and lifestyle. Um, was it, did we give him a, a lifetime achievement, Miley? Please award. <laughs> I think we did, which is like the one that I feel like we should revoke. Make him return but it. I, I feel like we handed it out around the time that people were starting to turn on him so we, we wow. thought oh we got to give it to him before people start hating him was like no we didn't <laughs> we didn't have to give him anything but uh i don't know not not that that award means much but i do wonder what the future holds for him and twitter I remember reading something that's like, it's not like Twitter's just going to go away, but because he fired so many key technical people, the site will slowly run worse over time unless he, mm-hmm. you know, gets more people or sells it or something. Like, I, I do wonder what's the end game here and how soon is it? I mean, he had that poll where he oh, said he yeah. a new CEO. Did we ever, has there been any follow up on that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's funny because I feel like there was a period of time where it was all I was hearing about, it, and I haven't heard anything about it for a little while. I don't know if that's because people lost interest in it, or I'm not sure. Or maybe maybe your main news source was Twitter, and now all those people aren't there anymore. <laughs> maybe. I know that's what I've been going through. Is that uh, a lot of the the interesting people I follow on Twitter aren't there anymore? Yeah. Uh, which just makes it. Uh, not an interesting website to look at 
And I think that that's really what will happen is more and more people will leave, which encourages more and more people to stop looking at it. And then they leave, and then there's less people in general. And it all goes down, and eventually... I don't know, probably lets it go out of business and somehow makes more money on it than he spent. I don't know know how any of this works. I I did hear... We never win, I know that for sure. Recently, he set a Guinness World Record for, like, greatest loss of wealth or something. Like, just some (laughs) some insane statistic with how much money he's lost across his companies over the past year or so. So at least he's, he's, he's breaking some records. Does, did Guinness, I wonder, did they send him a plaque for that? Um, You're really concerned about, like, trophies being mailed? <laughs> I'm just, Sean, I'm afraid in this digital age, we're going to lose trophies. <laughs> Dude, can you, are there still trophy shops? Typical millennial, he's obsessed Probably. with his trophies. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should get a trophy, even the Nepo babies. Oh, even they work so hard. This is such a weird conversation. I don't even. I really should have read. What was it? New York Magazine that kind of launched this whole conversation about Nepo babies. Because. Mm, I mean, I feel like it had been going on. But but they're the one kind that of on did social the media. Colin. Yeah, they did a whole, like, issue on it. They did this hilarious cover, New York Magazine, with all these uh, celebrities, all the children of of famous people, uh, photoshopped onto baby bodies. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. It's very funny. I would be so embarrassed if I was on this cover. But at at the same time, I look at most of the people on this cover, I like most of these people, too. So that's why it's such a weird conversation, because it's like... We're acknowledging that these people are privileged and have gotten all these opportunities and they probably didn't have to work as hard for it. I don't know, but at the same time, they're talented entertainers. I think that's why it's, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird conversation. Yeah, I mean, I mean and the, the, the thing is, like, they are talented, but there could also be other people out there who don't have their privilege that are more talented, but just aren't able to get that foot in the door right. career-wise uh, that they're kind of taking jobs away from. But that exists in all industries, but it does seem like maybe it's a little easier in show business because if you were just like a, you know, hot person who is the the children of hot parents like you know it's going to be easier for you to become a model or an actress or a singer or whatever right yeah so i guess we should say what a nepo baby is right sure the, the idea is that um the the i mean so nepotism right is is uh favoritism towards your family mm-hmm. um but i think in this context it's, it's more largely um the celebrity singers and actors are um are relatives of people who are either in the industry or just 
wealthy and powerful in another way. Um, which which gave them that leg up that you guys were alluding to and that made their careers possible. Which, I mean, it's not news, really. Like, I yeah. think everyone sort of was aware that that's the deal in this and many other industries. Uh, case in point, everyone who worked in the previous residence White House... Um, But I guess what was novel was just seeing them all, or not, I mean, not all, but seeing a lot of them listed out at the same time. And and I think the reason that was interesting is because that is then bait to get these people to react and weigh in on their privilege. Um, which never goes well. I mean, <laughs> we've had yeah. a lot of Hollywood check your privilege stuff. There's no the way to respond years. to that. That it's a it's a lose lose for the person that has to like respond yeah. to that. They'll either come off as more of an asshole, or they'll like they're downplaying it too much. You can't uh, you can't please the internet. Nope. Yeah, this just shit's been going on forever, man. John Quincy Adams. <laughs> the original <laughs> Nepo baby. <laughs> yeah, man. Loser. I'm, uh, but I'm, I'm like genuinely. Did, does this stuff um bum you guys out at all? Does it? Does it? Was it surprising to you in in any way? Uh, is it demoralizing? Um, <laughs> I guess it'd have to be on a case by case basis. The the thing about like the, I I come back to that cover. Most of these people on the cover, like I don't know if I knew right off the bat that Dakota Johnson was the daughter of Don Johnson and Melly Griffith, or, or or some of these other people. I maybe not have known right away. Or like, do kids watching Stranger Things know that Maya Hawk is Uma Thurman, Ethan Hawke's daughter, and do they care? I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of a downer because it makes not like any like any celebrity is relatable, any famous person. But it is, uh, it is a little awkward. But I don't. Know. I um, for me, it's always the people that come from money that aren't like money that's not tied to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, that are interesting like i think of like julia louis dreyfus is like an heiress to some dreyfus company that i've never heard of the 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 louis dreyfus company something like that right and like i don't even know what that is but like she was basically a billionaire before she was on snl you know it's 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 weird to think about that aspect um so i i think those call outs are the most interesting to me the 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 people who you don't even think about as Nepo babies necessarily because they don't have the famous actor or singer relative, but are still uh, extremely privileged in their own way. Yeah, 2022 is the year where I found out that Nick Kroll came from like a billionaire family. And I've always <laughs> so liked weird. him. But like, do I not like him as much now? <laughs> what about I mean, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. 
the other side of it is that then when you come from money, right, you have the opportunity to um, to take risks on being an artist that other people don't because at the end of the day you need to make a living, right? Uh, maybe that's the, the the tragic takeaway here is that um, with the few opportunities that are available to artists, some of those are being taken away by people that don't need opportunities at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it definitely makes it easier for if, if you're doing something creative, but you don't need to worry about having a full-time job and you can just have your rich parents pay for a, an expensive apartment in New York or LA and you could just focus on that. Like, yeah, it makes it a lot easier as does the, uh, you know, having connections as well. Uh, but that's just, uh, it's just capitalism, man. Yeah. Another connection you need is somebody at Ticketmaster. That is, if you want to go see Taylor Swift live this year. Uh, yeah. So, if you hadn't heard, Taylor Swift concert tickets went on sale this year. I actually managed to snag them, uh... For my girlfriend and her friends I probably should have bought one for myself I didn't realize they'd be so cheap but uh, the amount of time I had to wait in line just to get those tickets was like mm, five hours I think Jesus Christ. and yeah I mean while I was in line waiting to get the tickets I was also like kind of going on Twitter and Reddit, I think, and just seeing the horror stories of people that got in line and then they got to the queue where they were supposed to be able to purchase their tickets and they got kicked out or something and then had to start back in line all over again after waiting for a few hours and, you know, a lot of those people just ended up not getting tickets at all. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird thing where I feel like in the (laughs) weeks and months after that, there was just a thing that... I would end up having a conversation with people about just because like everybody tried to get tickets to this Taylor Swift tour, uh, which explains why so many people were not able to get them. It's just like, there's a huge demand for this thing. Clearly Ticketmaster was not prepared. I don't know how they could have been prepared, but, uh, yeah, it upset a lot of Swifties, got them talking about, uh, how Ticketmaster is basically a monopoly on the entertainment, the live entertainment industry, um, which I think is good. Ticketmaster sucks. They're the devil. Yeah. <laughs> they put, they put all really these bad. fees on your tickets. Uh, there's something like especially just aggravating about, I don't know, being so weird about charging people about concerts when concerts are like such this pure communal thing where it's just people trying to go out and um, just enjoy artists that they love with other fans Um, so yeah I don't know I think Taylor Swift put out a statement saying that she didn't approve of how Ticketmaster handled the whole thing. I don't know that she's going to do anything about it. She certainly 
has the influence to do something about it, but I don't know. She's also just just trying to make money at the end of the day, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because we have seen some artists um, sell tickets themselves directly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know there are other examples. The only example I can think of is a terrible example. Which is Louis C.K. Um, <laughs> but I know there are better examples of better artists that are also. Well, Pearl able Jam's to been fighting this for decades now. Hell yeah. Good yeah. for them. They're from here. Mm-hmm. But they weren't as big. You needed someone as big as Taylor Swift to shed light on the problem. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I just, yeah, I just hope that, like, what is, like, anybody actually going to be able to do, like, anything? <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's the Fingers thing crossed. about monopolies is they're so powerful that it's hard for anyone to do anything about it. Well, I know anything about the game. Um, you just gotta send them to jail. <laughs> oh, they probably have a bunch of get-out-of-jail-free cards. Yeah. Ugh. They got all the tickets. They got all the tickets. <laughs> they own all the venues. Damn it. <laughs> Well, yeah. We'll see. Okay, our next event is the Try Guys saga. Sean, do you want to try explaining what happened with the Try Guys? I guess I'm more curious. Did you know who the Try Guys were before this w- weird scandal happened? Um, I assume from the name, the Try Guys, it was just three guys, which it is now, but it was four guys. <laughs> Oh, you thought it was T-R-I, not T-R-Y. Yeah. These are some uh, internet YouTuber types. I think they're all probably around our age. Uh, who started out on a website called BuzzFeed. <laughs> you say that like it's this ancient tome that no one's you read feed? before. It's still around. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, and then they spun off from that their own YouTube channel called The Try Guys, where they just tried things mm-hmm. like food. <laughs> and uh, one of the, one of the guys, his thing was like he was he was a wife guy, like he was yep. just all about his wife and his family. And then it came out that he was having an affair with one of the other people that worked at his company, like, for a while. Um, which, I mean, obviously is, a, is bad for his image as the wife guy. <laughs> um, but what he probably didn't expect and what thrilled all of us watching from afar <laughs> is that this affair turned into the most important story in the country for <laughs> I don't know a month yeah, um, I think my favorite the only Try Guys video I've ever seen is the one where the, tr- the three remaining Try Guys get out there and try to like explain what's going on and they talk about how they're using like CG to edit <laughs> this guy out of their videos they have scheduled to come up. 
Like, <laughs> like, like, we can't not put out these sponsored videos because they're worth way too much money. So we got our editors CGing this guy Ned out of our videos until until we're out of the backlog. What? Which is... <laughs> okay, I didn't hear about this part. Yeah. <laughs> they CG'd... Is that like how they CGI'd Jeff Garland into the couple Goldbergs episodes? <laughs> I think it's exactly oh the same. Oh my god. Thing, yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I, John, you probably saw that it did also lead to an SNL sketch that got accused of Nepo Baby connections. Oh. In, in what way? Well, I was going to give John an opportunity. Oh, that's some of the. Uh, so the, on the Brendan the Brendan Gleeson episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of SNL, um, they did a thing where uh, Brendan Gleeson's like a White House reporter who's like breaking news, the Try Guys scandal, um, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, people complained about this sketch a lot yeah because the the joke they made was oh a guy had a consensual affair it's like not a it's not news basically right. um but people were like this is uh this is snl attacking the try guys because ned has connections to snl writers and they're doing pr on behalf of ned and actually everything the try guys did is so noble and heroic and brave uh, stand up against their own friend and it's just uh, I don't know embarrassing I guess to read <laughs> yeah I guess the right word for it <sighs> poor Ned well I don't know yeah he was cheating on his wife he was cheating on his wife but but should we give him a trophy no. <laughs> Is he gonna get the mildly pleased packet of sauce that no one wants? I when I look at these stories, I see five stories about villains, but one story that has a potential hero. <laughs> God. And that's Taylor Swift, right? Okay. If, she, if she's will, if she takes up the fight. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that she will. Mm. Yeah, is this one we're going to regret regret later? Definitely could. But be. like, I guess don't worry, darling has Florence Pugh taking the high road, which is fun, while wow. everyone else has a bad time. Yeah, it's probably between those two for me. Where I'm that just one's like, probably the safest bet. These are mildly pleasing to me. I enjoyed them. They don't have like a dark undercurrent. <laughs> maybe the don't worry darling does a little bit but <laughs> you know it doesn't it's not something that makes you depressed to think about for too long <laughs> well i don't know try guys is pretty harmless i guess too <laughs> but it's more just like stupid I, I i don't look back on that that fondly but it's kind of funny to talk about let's give it to don't worry darling then Alright, sounds good. Uh, next up, we're getting into media. We're going to talk about our favorite, uh, or our most mildly pleasing album of the year. Yes. Um, and speaking of consensual affairs, we got to talk about <laughs> Arcade Fire. 
Yeah. Okay, so I believe I wrote somewhere on the blog uh, when I was talking about um, the album We by Arcade Fire that, you know, Arcade Fire has been showing up a lot on the Mildly Pleased Awards uh, with their past few albums. And I liked this album more than their last few. I thought it was their best album uh, probably since the suburbs. Um, and so I I thought it would not make it onto the Mildly Pleased Awards this year. But then this whole Pitchfork expose came out about uh, Wynn Butler being kind of a creep, I guess. I don't know. Some sexual misconduct accusations. Uh, I guess where he was cheating on his partner, maybe doing it in sort of a predatory way. Wasn't entirely clear, but it definitely soured me on the His partner, by the way, Razine Chassange, who's in the band, the Mm -hmm. other singer, kind of like the other main person in in Arcade Fire now that um, uh, now that his brother left the band yep um I feel like she kind of defended him and was like he's he's made some mistakes that he's working on it and it's definitely one of those sort of cancellation stories where it's just like I don't know entirely how to feel about it but i definitely like the guy less after hearing about all this um so i don't know i guess it it probably ends up making this album less than mildly pleasing because it's uh it's complicated but i did enjoy the that album before that story came out Always hurts to hear that a tall person is not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now we're back to Harry Styles. <laughs> Gotta talk about Harry. Shit, we're, dude. We're, we're living in Harry's house. Uh, so yeah, Harry's house, the Harry Styles album. I listened to... I don't really know why. I guess I just wanted to give him a chance. Uh... And it was fine. I don't know. It had that As It Was song that's pretty catchy, but John really doesn't like the child in the opening seconds of it, uh, who talks a little bit. Um, I don't know. He's doing kind of like a retro 80s, little bit yacht rocky, but also like still kind of not that different from what's going on in most modern pop music these days. Um... And yeah, his lyrics, he just kind of comes off as a nice guy. It is kind of funny that some of these songs are definitely about Olivia Wilde. Uh, <laughs> there's one song that's just called Cinema, and he's just like, you got the cinema. And he's clearly like singing about Olivia Wilde. Being so into directing movies. Uh, I don't believe so. <laughs> What is an audio spit take? Oh, it's literally just spitting. Okay. That's, yeah. You sound like a guy spitting. How's that? Uh, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's fine. You know. Perfectly pleasant pop music, but... Nice alliteration, Colin. Perfectly pleasant pop 
music. Yes. Um, could also use that to describe special the album that Lizzo put out this year. Um, she's back. We haven't she's... heard her since 2019. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't really feel like she'd ever left. She's a... Uh... You know, she's a cultural force. I like her generally. It's hard not to. Come on. She's Lizzo. But I don't know if I need to listen to a whole album's worth of her music. I mean, I liked the last one quite a bit. But she's kind of just doing the same sort of like upbeat. Good vibes all over this album. And nothing wrong with that. It just like I don't know didn't didn't really grab me too much. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and then but she did play James Madison's Crystal Flute. Oh yeah, that's really important. We were gonna try and sneak that into events, but <laughs> wasn't. Is there, is there wasn't there's got to be a national treasure idea in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, I'd love to see Lizzo star in a national treasure. In the movie. Kingdom of the Crystal Flute. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Like you play a certain combination, and I don't know. I haven't seen enough of those movies. I don't know what they've already done. Like, have they done I mean, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Does it open the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and there's like a staircase down, like the Illuminati and shit? Again, yeah, I don't, they I can, might have all done all of it. I don't remember them doing that. I mean, I know the second one is called The Book of Secrets, but I don't remember what secrets are in that book. Yeah. Okay. Another artist that's back is Mitski. We haven't heard from her since 20... I feel like it was also 2019. Maybe it was 2018. Yeah, that sounds right. It's a little bit longer, but uh, but uh, Laurel Hell did come out in like February, so looked pretty early on. Yeah. Um, I liked this album, but I didn't love it like I loved "Be the Cowboy," and that made me sad. <laughs> yeah, me too. I remember listening to it a bit uh, when it came out, enjoying it fine. Didn't really return to it as the year went on since, you know, <laughs> there's always so much music to to find and listen to out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's, she's just kind of doing a sort of similar... <clears throat> Sort of like synth rocky thing that she did on the last album, but it didn't really have like the jagged edges of that album or her earlier stuff. It was a little more, I don't know, chill and monotone. But there were a few standout singles, I remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all right. I don't know. I feel like in some of the interviews, she kind of came off like she did like love having to i don't know be a 
be a pseudo famous uh like indie rock star um and i don't know if that really comes through the music i feel like she still <laughs> was trying to make something good and interesting but it just wasn't wasn't quite what i was hoping for just because her last few albums were so great um and I guess the same could yeah. be said for a much, <laughs> much bigger pop star we've already talked about. Taylor Swift came out with Midnight's. Uh, I got nothing new to say about this. I kind of wrote a review of it towards the end of last year. Um, I think some of the songs on it are very good and on par with the stuff she did on Folklore Nevermore, which I loved uh, more than pretty much any of the other stuff she's done, even though I am a big Red fan as well. Um, and it was definitely enjoyable to revisit that album when that uh, sort of re-recording came out. Um, but this album feels both like safe and a little uneven too there are definitely some songs on here that just never really materialize into anything uh mostly the first few tracks on the album and then she's working with jack antonoff again this production's pretty i don't know (laughs) pretty par for the course with his signature style on this album and I don't know. She just should have worked with someone new. But I get it. Sometimes you just want to make something with your friends. I understand. But Did you guys listen to um, Being Funny in a Foreign Language by the 1975? I did. I liked that album. Um, I like that. And that's also a Jack Antonoff album. Yeah. And I feel like... Maybe it is a little better when he's a little more hands-off and kind of just letting the artist do their own thing. Um, but I'm guessing Taylor Swift like kind of wanted him to bring a lot of ideas to the table. Um, but I feel like I read that um, whatever his name is, Matt Healy from 1975, didn't necessarily want that for that album. Um, so like I, yeah, I still think he can produce good albums. Um, it's just that same (laughs) theory I keep coming back to that artists should only make one album with him and then move on to someone new. But again, way too late for that. This is what, like her fifth album with him? Yeah. But I mean... I don't know. Some of some of the albums he's produced songs for with her have only just been like a few tracks. Like I think he only did a few tracks on 1989. Uh, and a lot of that was Max Martin. And same with Lover. I don't think he's all over it. Eh, I'd have to check. But I mean, this is kind of the album. This and Reputation where he's doing the most I have not listened to Reputation that much because it seemed kind of crappy <laughs> but 
sure it had a few good songs on it. I don't know. But uh, guys, who are we going to email this sauce packet to? Yeah, who gets the sauce this year? <laughs> Um, hmm. I am kind of feeling Midnight's, but, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm fine with that. I'd say Midnight's, I, I guess I could give it to Harry's house, I don't know. I didn't listen to the Lizzo album that much. I don't want to give, I'd give it to that to boy house. band shit. Okay. Whoa. But <laughs> he did date Taylor Swift for a little bit. But... No. Yeah. Uh, we're going to stay in the realm of tunage and talk about the most mildly pleasing song. And I can tell you right now, the winner is going to be our first nominee. It's a good, uh, it's a good pick. It's Jiggle Jiggle <laughs> by Duke Jones and Louis Thoreau. Famous documentarian Louis Thoreau. The moment, the moment that I saw who this was by, I was like, what the fuck? It's so confusing. <laughs> like, because I know Louis Thoreau for, like, like his documentary about the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> you know, he's a journalist. And then it, it was fun to kind of go backwards and see that, like, yeah, he just, like, had recorded with these guys, like, a while ago. Almost just kind of like an experiment to see if they could kind of like make a song, you know. And he didn't consider himself a person with any kind of musical ability. And then I guess it got like a remix at a certain point. I'm not 100% on the timeline. It was definitely 2022 when it, yeah. He recorded this rap in 2000. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, it was his first try at rapping. He was in New Orleans at the time. And then um, in 2022, uh, he's being interviewed and uh, someone asked him, do you remember the lyrics that you rapped when you tried rapping 22 years ago? And he spit these bars. um, And then that became the the basis for this autotune remix that uh, swept the nation and went as far as becoming a Fortnite emote. I saw it in like a commercial during the holidays. I don't remember what it was for, but it's oh just it's God. insane. <laughs> I mean, it is catchy and it does work and it I think the charm of it is the fact that he seems kind of like awkward and it's kind of goofy. And so legit yeah. the first time I heard this song, I didn't know it was Louis Thoreau. I thought it was like someone using a text to speech thing to make a rap. Oh, I could totally buy that. Yeah. <laughs> It has that. It's very stilted in that way, it's for, and like a, like a robot would do, like a robot trying to learn music. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's catchy and it's funny, and it's short, and it's so dumb. It's perfect for this category. Mm-hmm. And then Coldplay performed it at Wembley Stadium. Oh no, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, it's too bad we didn't get to talk about them this year. I feel like they always show up at our. <laughs> Did they have an album? Category. I don't even know. I don't think so. But yeah, at least you know yeah. we we just shouted them out. So they they should be called the Coldplay Award. <laughs> yeah, pretty they get much. nominated pretty much any time they come out with anything. Yep. Because there's still that vestige of a, like a great band that's now just like now we cover Wiggle Wiggle. 
And like, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, it's just ironic. But you're like, yeah, you say that, but I don't know, man. I don't know. This is as relevant as you get right now. They're just, uh, they're just big dorks. You know how you be cool is you swear like Gale. Yeah. I don't know at what point it happened that pop music has a lot of the F word, but I'm all for it. <laughs> this is another up and coming teen, teen pop singer. 18, I think. Jesus Christ. I, I think this got popular through TikTok as well. Um, and, you know, it's just fun to say fuck you. And also learning the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> a B C D E F U. It's not how it goes, but it's funny. We can all relate to that, right? We can all relate to these these problems that teen girl has. Uh, isn't Gail? Is she a nepo baby? Oh, I probably right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Google who are Gail's parents? Is Gail who are Gail's parents? Uh, I don't even know. I assume that's her last name. I'm trying to think of any famous Gales. It's her middle name. Oh, it's her middle name. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't really Taylor know. Taylor Gale her. Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford would have been a way cooler name. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. No billionaire parents. Doesn't it's, say anything mm, about it. Okay, it's good. Interesting on Wikipedia, it says that she. Uh, Moved to Nashville to pursue to uh, pursue a musical career. Uh, isn't that exactly what Taylor Swift did? <laughs> yep. Well, there, yeah, there's a model for it now, right? And isn't she uh, uh, one of the supporting acts on that tour? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you do, Sean. <laughs> either you either you record your... a rap song and hope that in 20 years it becomes famous, or uh, yeah, you go you move to Nashville. And become a pop star. Not a con- well, I guess. See, this was that's what I'm confused about because Taylor was country early on, mm-hmm. but Gail did Gail pivot as well. I, this is literally the only song I know by her, but I've heard it a lot. It's on a lot of my my pop playlists. <laughs> it's just catchy. It's got the F word. Nashville loves it. <laughs> We'll see if we're talking about Gail a year from now. I don't know. Hard to say. I feel like artists don't disappear now, even if you're a one-hit wonder, because of social media. I feel like everyone clings on. Uh, Not everyone. Maybe. I'm trying to think of a one-hit wonder, like somebody who's really big that just... Like, like I thought Lil Nas X would be like, we're never going to hear from this guy again. And he's still... Doing you know stuff, good songs and, and and having fun and um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think who's a one hit wonder who is just totally falling off the map. Like who's someone who's won this award who's falling off the map? Um, well, <laughs> right now I'm just thinking of the first person to win this award, which was Alex Clare. Is that the? It feels like I have. Yeah. See, that's yeah, that's a good one because like that was also like trying to like piggyback off of like dubstep a little bit, and that's definitely yep. dead. Mm-hmm. Dubstep is dead step. Actually, that sounds like an even cooler genre. He's like dead step. Dead step. You know, 
Uh, yeah, that's that's a good example. Because that song was in commercials. That song was popular. Okay, so it does still happen. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Gail... Um, I mean, she's definitely marketing herself in a smart way by having her name in all caps, but then the title of the song in all lowercase. That's really smart. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about... Lotto. So Lotto uh, spent 2022 opening for Lizzo, and I love the synergy of two <laughs> artists with very similar names. They yeah. should do that more often. It's good. Um, but I put big energy on here because I think it's funny. I like that's about big dick energy. I think that's a funny idea for a song. Um, but the thing is, it uses that Tom Tom Club sample, and we already have that Mariah Carey uh, you know, song from the '90s that samples that, and it's such a good yeah. sample, and it almost feels like a cheat code at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I think this is a great pick for Mel. because <laughs> the song is like it's kind of good. It is, it is fun, but it's like yeah, you could build a lot of great <laughs> well, like, hip hop songs around that beat. We're in a weird period now where now we're getting. Like uh, hip hop songs that use samples that were already famously used. Like I, I was also listening to recently. Yeah. You know, there's that Nicki Minaj song that was a big hit in 2022 that uses Super Freak, and it's like, but MC <laughs> Hammer did that like 30 years ago. Yeah, it's like, let's mix it up a little bit. You know, uh, you know something I else I heard <laughs> recently that I really like is um, what's your name Ice Ice Spice or is it Spice Ice? Do you guys familiar with this rapper? I think it's Ice Spice. Vaguely. She's very new, uh, but she has yeah. a, a rap song called "Bikini Bottom" um, that's mm-hmm. popular on the TikToks, and it samples music from SpongeBob. And I'm like, that's perfect, because like yeah. that's something that's like from her generation, and I don't think anyone's done it prominently yet. That's what we need more of. Like, it's I just feel like it's cheating. Like, I wonder if Lotto even. Because she's fairly young. I wonder if she even, even heard the Tom Tom Club version of this song. Or if she was just like, oh, I'm going to sample that Mariah Carey song. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she's just sampling the Mariah Carey song. Because, yeah. I mean, the song opens with her being like, I could be your fantasy. Uh, You're right, yeah. The name of that song is Fantasy. Um, um, right. Yeah, it's like there's... Come on, we got... <laughs> like 70 years of popular music that you can find samples from that haven't been sampled already like just get just get creative with it there's there's plenty of recorded music out there to make songs out of um tell me about mega trainer okay so speaking of artists who had like a one-hit wonder status who have just like kind of stuck around. Megan Trader had a song from this year that I, for whatever, well, no, I know the reason I ended up hearing it a lot. It's because my girlfriend is like a closet Megan Trainer fan. I guess I shouldn't be outing her on this podcast, but she's not that shaped up. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Careful. <laughs> no, she, it's fine. Uh, so, yeah, the way she explained it to me was that Megan Trainer had this big hit with uh, all about that bass and her early songs had this kind of like doo-wop-y sound um which was kind of unique for pop music at the time but then like her you do an impression of it no i 
of of doo-wop the on, music. Doo-wop. I mean, you you just gave you just us did. a nice <laughs> nice example <laughs> of it. It's not really what doo-wop sounds like, but yeah there you go that that kind of thing there you go anyways seemed like she was kind of forced by her label and producers to do like more straightforward pop stuff after that but then this song has that that doo-wop energy and it is incredibly catchy i (laughs) i kind of like the song but i also kind of dislike how easily it will get stuck in my head if I hear it once. Uh, Sorry, buddy. And it's pretty short, too. It's like 2 minutes, 15 seconds. It's not as, not as short as uh, Jiggle Jiggle, but, <laughs> you know, not much is. Uh, so, yeah. It's all right. Uh, so this is the worst song ever recorded. You think so? I don't like Megan Trainor very much. I find her as the yeah. as the youth might say, cringe AF. Because mm. her whole thing is like her her sound is very is very sugary sweet, but it's also like weirdly sexual. Like her Instagram, I, I don't know why. I guess I clicked on one thing once on my like feed, and now I'm always getting Megan Trainor videos recommended. Otherwise, so embarrassing. Because you know she's married to Mr. Spy Kid, Daryl Sabara. And there's like, oh, there was like this video. I was like, oh god, where it was like, all I want for Christmas is more kids, and she's like humping them and stuff. And it's like a lot of content like that, and it's just so embarrassing. And I don't know, I, I didn't, I didn't like all about that bass. It, it felt like very. It was like it was like primed for kids bop. It was like all. It was, See, I like that. I like a lot. Of, there's a lot of like chill, laid back pop music, and this is like the other side of the spectrum. And I'm just not on this wavelength right now. Mm. All right, fair enough. Well, I, I want to hear Sean's take on this song. Well, I mean, I don't like any pop music. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta um, like One Republic. I ain't worried. Yeah, it was in Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's how I know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the song's fine. I don't know. I don't feel strongly about it. I think it definitely helps <laughs> that it is featured in a scene in a movie that I like. And when I hear it, I just think about those guys on the beach playing football. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, they're having fun. The song's <laughs> fun so enough. Like, I don't understand the game they're playing at all. Yeah, it's total chaos. I like football. that weird, like, f- football, but it's... <laughs> With multiple footballs. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, you're playing offense and defense at the same time or something? I, I don't know, man. Don't know, man. I mean, I like a good... But it makes you a better pilot. I like a good whistling song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a song where, I was like, when I saw it on the list, I was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh my god, I've heard this eight million times. I did not know who yeah. the buyer was called. <laughs> I've heard this so much. <laughs> like, on pop stations and on the end. Um, it is surprising that, yeah, that this song 
was attached to Top Gun Maverick, but also Lady Gaga recorded an original song that just didn't catch on. This was this was the breakout hit from that soundtrack. Yeah, can all be I mean that that Lady Gaga yeah. song will still get an Oscar nomination, even though I certainly can't Probably. remember it. Yeah, and the long game. Um. Yeah, no, I like I like this addition to the list. I would have been leaning towards this one until Wiggle Wiggle made its way onto here. <laughs> and then it wiggled its way into my heart. I'm right there. John. I think I got to pick it just because, like, or Jiggle Jiggle, excuse me. Jiggled into my heart. I probably said, I probably called it Wiggle Wiggle the whole time. Just I forgot. Um, I mean, who cares? Because it's, 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 it's really catchy and it's also incredibly stupid. It's perfect. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was calling unless you're gonna uh, unless you're defiantly anti-jiggle jiggle I'm not anti-jiggle jiggle I guess I just didn't hear it as much as you guys did for some reason and um it's cause you never buy anything in the Fortnite shop no <laughs> it feels like a weird way to spend money <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it is yeah so i i do it sparingly only if i see something there i have to have uh but it's uh i got nothing against well, what's it. Your, what which one would uh would you pick if you if you got to pick your hmm. favorite i'm just curious probably either the one republic song or the latto song yeah um, so that's a that's a good case for Roman Republica then I think. Oh yeah. But when you look back at this list, aren't you going to want to see Jiggle Jiggle there? Won't that make you laugh? Yeah, I guess. You guys can decide. I will say, I will say, <laughs> it's unlikely that Louis Thoreau is going to be eligible for this category again. Probably not. This might be his only chance. If you look him up on Wikipedia, you know how like lists like someone's like, oh, he's a writer, producer, director, whatever. It does not even list musician as one of his, uh, like as something he does. It's so out of the blue for him. Um, I guess if you want to make the argument that it's like not, it's like barely music. I'll, I might hear that argument. It is, yeah. It's like, it's it's like talking over. Doesn't quite feel like a it's song like, to me. It's but... like barely rap. <laughs> like Sean said he thought it was AI or something for some <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like it's kind of what we usually go for on this alright let, let's just do it it'll be funny yeah go it'll for it it'll be funny Colin yeah yeah sure it's we fine. should probably figure out who Duke and Jones are at some point but whatever he's got it yeah hell yeah hooray alright <laughs> Lifetime achievement is such a weird category. <laughs> it used to be pretty straightforward. We just give it to people like directors. who had directors, actors, musicians who had uh, exhibited a long career of doing mildly pleasing things, or possibly did some great things, but then did so much like middling stuff that their career is just kind of mildly pleasing in the end. <laughs> But I think last year we opened it up 
to TV shows. Like I think Friends was nominated, and then Saturday Night Live. I think won. So we can stop nominating it. So we can definitely so we can stop nominating. So now we're nominating. <laughs> Not even movies or TV shows or people. Although, it's not that far off. Anyways, the first nominee is uh, movies that are around three hours long. Yeah, I'm talking The Fablemans. I'm talking Tar. I'm talking Wakanda Forever. I'm talking The Batman. I'm talking Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, there's probably R-R. more. Uh, Bab- Babylon. Babylon's long. Uh, yeah, dude. Have we gone too far? <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. I feel I'm like... Just... I mean, the, the, like Marvel movies aren't... Well, I guess Black Panther you did mention. I was gonna say Marvel movies aren't potentially like that close to like three hours, but like They're I feel like I feel like blockbusters in our modern landscape feel pressured to be like, well, it has to be really long, right? As we at least like you two cannot release a ninety-minute Marvel movie, or you'll go to jail. I guess as, God, a, that'd be, as a producer, that'd be great though. And that that part of it sucks. Some of these yeah. movies that you mentioned. I think really take advantage of that length. And that's cool. Like, I did not mind. I know some people did. I did not mind that Wave Water was insanely long because it was. It's so different from other things I get to see. It's, it's such a spectacle. It's. I want it to be long. I want to live in that world. Yeah. yeah. But. Gotta admit, hurts that rewatchability. Oh god, I don't think I'll, I probably will never see Way of Water ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, I, you know, I'll. No, that's not true. I'll probably watch it one more time before the the next one comes out, and then ne- and then never again. Maybe I'll see it like I'll see it like a it, it, it back in theaters like twenty years from now. I'll be like, oh yes, I remember the Avatar. Um. When the Batman hit HBO Max, like immediately after it came out, um, my dad and brother came over for dinner and a movie, and what they decided they wanted to watch was the Batman because they'd both missed its theatrical run. Um, so this was uh, maybe a month after I'd seen it in theaters, and when we started that movie, and I was like, "Oh wait, this is like three hours long." I felt like I was in a prison, <laughs> and I like that movie. Yeah, but I was just like, "Oh, I know this is this is so long, and I know all the things that are going to happen." It's tough. Yeah. It, it's tough because if that movie was like forty, fifty minutes shorter, it'd probably <laughs> be my favorite Batman movie. It might be my favorite Batman movie, but the thing is, it's just so much. It's so much of a time commitment. It's it's like it forgets what what it's about for a while and becomes a different movie and then it comes back. It's also one like, of those kind of movies where like, um, you feel like kind of the most exciting thing happens like them apprehending the Riddler and you're like, oh shit, there's still like an hour left. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like fuck. And when they apprehend the Riddler, it's like I haven't even thought about the Riddler in in an hour. Yeah, because you've been so focused. You've been so busy on with Falcone these mobsters. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
overstuffed. It's funny too because like they're like talking about like, oh, will there be a director's cut? And they're like, no, this is everything. <laughs> they they, they cut like movie. one Joker scene and that's everything else. And they still kept in the <laughs> other Joker scene. I do have to ask. We're giving <laughs> we're giving this a lifetime achievement nomination. So are yeah. we <laughs> nominating all th- roughly three hour movies in the history of cinema? I think you got. I mean, you're right that that has to. We have to keep that in mind. This is lifetime. And and my my argument is it's always going to make me not want to watch a movie. There are movies I absolutely adore. Um, there are some great Lawrence of Arabia movies. comes to mind. Yeah, and I'm just will never ever choose to watch it because it's so. Uh, well, I think it's just yeah, a three hour movie is really a really interesting experience on first watch because it's almost like fascinating how long it is when you're watching it and kind of living in that movie. But it's like you never want to revisit it either. So, and like when we're talking about the Irishman. You have to like plan your day around it when a movie is, that and like in a way, that's also like part of the the fun sometimes for these. But yeah, like yeah, mm-hmm. you just don't want to do yeah. it twice. And great movies, you should want to watch all the time. Uh, I don't know about it winning this category, but it's definitely really yeah. interesting to talk about. I just I like okay. I like that they exist, in particular the good ones. <laughs> But I do agree that it's gotten out of hand. <laughs> Where just like so so movies are three hours long and it's just a fucking waste of time. Like, I'm sure the studio putting this out knows how good this movie is or is not. And if it's not like the greatest thing ever, it really shouldn't be wasting people's time. Like the. Um. Uh, God. Shanti. One thing that's never a waste of time <laughs> are CGI apes. Yeah, dude. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes 2024. Let's make it four hours long. Um, I just put this on the list because we were watching Nope and there's a CGI ape in it. And I just couldn't help thinking, like, this is. I've seen so many CGI apes. Can you name some of the other? So good. Can you name some of the other great CGI apes? Obviously, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. I guess there's also yeah Peter the Jackson's King Kong. King Kong. Yeah, and then the, the more recent ones. Well, I mean, just anything Terry Notary's uh, doing. Like, I well, I guess he played himself as an ape man in The Square. Okay. Um, that uh, Coldplay music video with all the apes. <laughs> it can't escape any category. Yeah. I love it. I get that. Whereas I get that, especially with the apes franchise, and now that we're apparently starting up a whole other trilogy of CGI ape films, it does seem like a lot. But I don't know. I think it looks cool. I would definitely prefer that they use CGI apes as to, as opposed to using real apes, which sounds dangerous. And also, guys in costumes never quite hit in the same way. 
like, I mean, Congo, not a lot of people really talk about it fondly. Though maybe if they remade it with CGI <laughs> apes. Hmm. Maybe we should get another Congo movie. I think they're cool. I think about that. You just you, let's talk yeah. about the the only human who nominated <laughs> in this category <laughs> this year, Mr. Jamie Fox. What did he do? Okay, so Jamie Fox put out a Netflix movie called Day Shift. Didn't really make much of an impact, but it definitely got me thinking about like what is he doing. Like, he's not giving a really interesting performance in the movie. The movie's kind of fun. Uh, he's doing a pretty typical, like, leading man type of performance in it, though. And it's just like... <sighs> he is great. Like, I feel like <laughs> there will be clips of him doing impressions of people that show up on social media. And I'm like, God, he's funny. He can sing. He can act. He's so talented, but it just seems like things have been kind of just on a downward trajectory ever since he won that Oscar. There have been some interesting films, I guess, since then. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what? I, guess, I mean, people like Django Unchained. It's a I'm long time Luke ago. War- Baby Driver. I'm lukewarm on it. Yeah, I mean... It's like 10 years ago. Baby Driver was good. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at his career post-Django, which was 2012. Yeah, White yeah. House Down, Rio White 2, House Amazing Down. Spider-Man 2, Million Ways to Die in the West, Horrible Bosses 2, Annie, Sleepless, Baby Driver, Robin Hood, Just Mercy, Project Power, Soul. That was a good movie. Uh, oh, yeah. yes. Sounds good. Uh, what I worry is that so Day Shift was a Netflix movie. Project Power was a Netflix movie. He's got another movie coming out uh, in 2023 called They Clone Tyrone. Netflix movie. I'm afraid he's gonna he's falling into that Adam Sandler thing where he's probably got some big Netflix deal and he's just gonna pump out a bunch of like like mid tier C minus level bullshit. And it's yeah, like it's movies a waste of that time. technically movies that technically are movies, but don't quite feel like real movies. Uh, yeah. Now, why is he doing that? Because he was in the Spider Man, so that probably makes him infinitely yeah. rich. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hosts that uh, Shazam. <laughs> that's the other no way that's like, still alive. Right. Why is he wasting That's his time going. doing God. Beat Shazam? Which is like, even for game shows, that's like kind of bottom tier. Because uh, he probably films for like two weeks and he gets $65 million, you know. But what does he need that money for? He can't take it with him. I guess he could leave it to his kids. How many kids do you think he has? Um, two. According to this, he only got two kids. Like those kids are those kids are gonna be fine. Um, but yeah, he doesn't seem like he has anything that exciting in the uh, coming up. 
his daughter looks like she's like an adult at least. I mean, he's one of those guys that's he's been around for a while, you know, since the late eighties. He's fifty-five. Yeah. I mean, he's won his Oscar. He can do whatever the fuck he wants, I guess. I guess. It just yeah, I get it. It's like it's like he's so good. It seems mm-hmm. like he's just wasted his time. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just like I wasted so many years of my life watching Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> oh yeah, man. This is a weird one because it's like as a franchise, it's like well, it should have never been a franchise. Yeah. Nope. Should have been should have been mistake. one movie. It makes sense for one movie. <laughs> But I guess there are like moments here and there that I like in the other movies. I was listening to a podcast recently where there is it's been people trying to argue that Fallen Kingdom is the second best one, uh, which I found interesting that that apparently has a very small little following. Hmm. Uh, I think that I I don't, I'm not part of that following at all. <laughs> I think that might be for me the most boring Jurassic Park movie ever made, <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> But I don't know, I guess Lost World, it's like, you know, I saw it a couple times in theaters, I had a bunch of the toys, I had the Sega Genesis game, that must have been like one of the last games for the Sega Genesis, 1997. I got some nostalgia for that, the third one everyone likes to shit on, I think it's kind of funny, it's got that part where the raptor says Alan. And then, you know that most recent one? I guess we haven't really talked about this that much, Sean. Because I mean, you t- you were talking about it when we went to Hawaii because you'd seen it at that point. I hadn't seen it, but I've seen it since then. And I can't remember where you weighed in on it in comparison to like the rest of the franchise. Oh, it's the worst See, one. I think I think it's I think it's better than Fallen Kingdom. It, it's it's too long, but there's some interesting stuff in there. I like the bugs. I think those are kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it depends on what your what your taste is. Do you like schlock or do you like a movie done badly more? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> neither is good. It's just I think I, which I think side it was just you... trying more things that I found interesting. Yeah. Like a world populated by dinosaurs. There were a couple set pieces, but they didn't try it. John. They didn't they did try it a little bit. They, you know, they were like, "We'll do a fucking." Twitter news story at the start of the movie about what it'd be like if dinosaurs took over the planet, and then they were like, "It's gonna be a movie about bugs." I, I kind of like the bugs. I feel like Michael Crichton would have really liked the bugs. Feels very much up in his wheelhouse. I like stuff like black market dinosaur trading when they're like in the Middle East, stuff like that. Sure, just don't tease me with it, and then make a movie about bugs. I see. I kind of like. The- I know you kind of like the bugs. Uh, it's just weird because, like, I like seeing the the OG cast, and then I'm like, oh, fuck, they gotta meet Chris Pratt at some point. They gotta, like, it's like if I could just watch half of the movie, I'd be happy with it. I don't really want to see the Chris Pratt portion. I just want to see the Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and whoever that one guy, Dodson, Tim Cook, or whatever from Apple. It looks just like him. That's so weird. That the, the bad guy is looks like the CEO of Apple. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't care less about Sam Neill and Laura Dern getting together in their twilight years. Like, but Sean, the thing is, we all wanted them to get together in the first one, and then the third one, when you saw they weren't together, didn't it break your heart a little bit? 
I was like, oh, so they didn't get together, and they're adults, and they're mature, and they moved on. <laughs> yeah, but we we go to the we go to the movies like looking for love. Like, what does what does Nicole Kidman say in the AMC thing? <laughs> That's what we go to movies Heartbreak. for. And remember, she's a big Heartbreak Jurassic World good fan in a place like this because she's watching yeah. it for the first time. Yeah, but remember, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. You've got to have more than just getting exactly what point. you want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you know. Um, thanks to the weird, algorithm, like, you can get everything you want. I was on so Netflix. excited for Jurassic. Oh, did World. you have more to say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm just rambling. Just rambling. Netflix. It's one of Colin's weirdest shutdowns ever. <laughs> you, you just seemed like you had the passion, and it was still there. Um, Netflix has been making some bad calls, guys. But it was, like, the first streaming service everyone subscribed to. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, bar- I barely watch anything on Netflix. Yeah, what am I? Days. What am I watching? I have one show that'll be on my top ten by the time this is out. That was a Netflix show. I think Netflix does get some interesting content just because they uh, they acquire so much. That's all, it's like it's like their biggest pro and their biggest con is like you feel like H. I believe their biggest con is Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Good job. They digitally take him out of those episodes yet. Re- re- replace him with the Foghorn Leghorn. Are you going to say replace him with Ned from the Try Guys? <laughs> oh no! Swap him. Swap him. He's, he's got to work. Um, but no. He's still what, what I was saying is work. like their content feels like, like they have the most, but it also feels the least curated. Whereas like HBO Max... Obviously, he's kind of gone to shit recently, but you still feel like they still have some bar for the quality of like their drama shows. Whereas Netflix is like, let's just kind of throw everything into the mix and see what comes out of it. And also, I feel like... And then yeah, cancel it all cancel. anyway. What's so weird is like... So, so they had Sandman this year, which was like a huge hit for them. It was like super expensive to make, mm-hmm. but huge hit. It, like one of their most watched shows over the summer. And they're like, eh, season two, eh, I don't know. It's like, the people want it. <laughs> it's like, eh, I don't know. Eh. That's that's 100% why I haven't watched it. And now I, I, I put it in my queue because they're like, we are going to make a season two. They, they said it. But, but, you know, even that's not for sure because sometimes now shows get greenlit and then get canceled anyway. Like, I, I heard something where someone was saying, like, man, if, it, if Succession had been on netflix it would have gotten canceled after like two seasons it never would have they never would have given it the time to build an audience or like if better call saul had been on on netflix or something even breaking bad nobody watched breaking bad for the first like three years yeah sometimes a show needs to find its audience to get big you can't just netflix is so used to like it's got to be the biggest show of all time right when it comes out and sometimes even when it is they're like "Eh, i don't know though it's like kind of expensive And a lot of those shows that come out as hits, uh, you know, they run out of steam really fast. Like, there's a, there's a double-edged sword to that, too. Like, I think about, like, Lost, right? Like, everybody loved Lost as soon as it came out. But the longer that went on, the more people got off that bandwagon. 
Oh, sure. So, I don't know. It's tough. It, it, it's tough because I still think they do put on a lot of weird random shit that is interesting. But, like, if it's a, if it's a show that you find interesting... If that show isn't the biggest show in the world, you are not getting another season of that show. Um, also, as a company, Netflix has done some things that I do not approve of. Uh, early on in their history, they were a massive champion of net neutrality uh, because they're a bandwidth hog. And then uh, they made a deal with ISPs like Comcast. And suddenly they stopped being a champion of net neutrality. And now we don't have net neutrality anymore. And that was all extremely disappointing. That sucks. Um, also, just in this year particularly, they've said they are really trying to crack down on password sharing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have continually raised their prices without changing what the service they're offering is. And so now they're actively making it worse, yeah. right? You're paying more for Netflix than ever before, and they're making it harder for you to share your account with with friends and family. That's um, I forgot about that. Shitty. That fucking sucks. But they also still mail out DVDs. Colin, you still getting those? No. <laughs> I will say something funny that I just remembered that Netflix did in 2022 is that. You may recall many, many years ago, Blockbuster had the chance to acquire Netflix and turned that down. And then, of course, they went under. And then in 2022, mm-hmm. Netflix produced a show called Blockbuster about a guy running the last Blockbuster, which feels like a weird um, And then they canceled it. Cancel it. So, so strange. Very strange, but funny. Uh, but yeah, fuck those guys. Some good stuff, but fuck them. I wonder if they're going to keep doing this, like, we're going to try to uh, give a bunch of money to, like, directors to do their passion projects now that they're they're not getting any Oscars out of it. Yeah, you're right. We've been talking about shows. Did they have a big movie? This Oh, Glass Onion. Glass Onion mm-hmm. might make the 10. I mean, it's probably not going to win much. Um, but I think they thought Bardo had a lot more potential than New Inuritu. I'm not sure what else yeah. they had. I guess there was also uh, white noise. True, white noise. Also, probably won't pan out awards wise. <laughs> Pinocchio will probably pick up animated, but um, yeah, they cannot crack that best picture. And it's so funny because Apple won last year for Coda. <laughs> they must be so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, like Colin reminded us at the top, this is for lifetime achievement, not just what they did in twenty twenty two. With that in mind, I feel like it's got to be Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think that's what I would be leaning towards. I would argue there's um, more bad than good, but yeah, I mean, we're never yeah. going to talk about it again until they reboot it in like a year or whatever, probably. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's do it. Because what if Jamie Foxx in like 10 years gives like does the greatest movie of all time? Like, fuck, why did we give him a Miley Please Award? It could have, and he's not that old. Yeah. But we've probably given this award to younger people than him. <laughs> <laughs> like Elon Musk. Yeah, no. Uh, speaking of the dudes, we're going into the best actor category, and our first nominee is Channing Tatum, who was in a few movies this year, but in particular we're singling out his performance in The Lost Has City. Channing not won yet? 
Or has he? That's a good question. There's no I'm rule against pretty he can sure win. he has. Okay, I'm just wondering. I think, honestly, he may have won the first award in this category for Magic Mike. I'd have to look it up. Uh, but yeah, I watched this movie on a plane. <laughs> perfect plane movie, I guess. <laughs> I mean, would have been a perfect plane movie if it was like a little better. I think I like both of the leads in it. I think Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, as we'll, who we'll get to, are both pretty charming doing their movie star thing showing that like you can make this kind of movie still um with just big movie stars in a non like ip sort of big budget movie um i feel like i was enjoying it for the first half but then it just kind of i don't know was formulaic and not that exciting but jenning is funny in this uh he plays a like cover model of these romance novels that uh Sandra Bullock's character writes he's basically um, Fabio so he's basically Fabio so that's fun just seeing him play a doofus but then he's like thrown into this situation where he's got to be like this outdoorsy type uh that has to get out of the situation concocted by Daniel Radcliffe Oh, that's right. <laughs> Who's our, our next nominee? I forgot about that. But, uh, yeah, no. I don't know. He's not, like, challenging himself in this role, but he's fun to watch. Also, Colin, chemist, do you remember what song yeah. closed out this movie? What song closed out this movie? Yeah, the end credits, like, you know, Ghost Credits, what song plays? Do you remember? Uh... I don't think I do. It was, it was Big Energy by Lotto. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. Powerful. Big Synergy was more like it. Mm. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. It's always fun to see Chang. I like it when he plays dumb. Um, yeah. he, he's not the kind of actor that can overcome middling like uh, writing or anything. Like, yeah. But he always seems to be game, and I appreciate that. Uh, it was good. It was just good to see him again. I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. Sure. Yeah. And then he had this and Dog, which I none of us saw, but I guess it was too good. Apparently, too good for this list. Wait, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Way too good. It's a no doubter. It's gonna maybe he's gonna sneak into the Oscars. <laughs> Another one yeah. that I think will be Oscar nominated is Daniel Radcliffe's performance in Weird: The Al Yankovic Story. Yeah. <laughs> Because every single time I see him in that costume, I laugh. And it's, I haven't seen the movie. Just seeing still photos makes me laugh. So it is funny. It's it's funny that Weird Al was like, he's who, the first person we had in mind. It's like, no, no, no. That That's that's a funny thing to say, but I don't think that's true. Also, if you guys recall, this was um, based on a funnier Die short. Like a, tra- like a fake trailer that was made years, like a long, mm-hmm. like a while ago. Um, and what's cool is the guy who made the tra- fake trailer also got to direct this. And of course, because that original one starred Aaron Paul, he was the first person approached to do it. And he just couldn't, uh, he didn't have, he couldn't schedule it in. 
Um, and I would have preferred that over Daniel Radcliffe. Because I think Daniel Radcliffe, yeah, he looks funny. It's kind of funny that he's, like, too ripped, too, which is weird. <laughs> uh, appropriate to say weird. Um, you know, doesn't do any of the singing, but I don't think anyone who, uh, you know, was cast would have. Because Weird Al still does all the, the, the dubbing in. But I feel like he, you could have got someone a little funnier. And I feel like Aaron Paul, I think, would have been funnier just because he feels even more wrong for the part. <laughs> I think that's what made that, that fake trailer work so well, is that Aaron Paul is the last person he would play uh, Weird Al. Well, Daniel Radcliffe is kind of weird. So I actually think he fits maybe a little too well, despite not being a physical match in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I wonder if he was too busy because he was making Westworld. Oh yeah, probably. That that That's would make so sense. Sad because they didn't even get to finish Westworld. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like it's kind of a funny movie. It's like a, I may have given it three and a half because there are some three and a half stars because there are some jokes that are pretty good. But it's a little over long. Did you guys see it? It was free. You could see it for free. Yeah. Well, if you have a um, device. the reason I haven't seen it is you have to download the Roku yeah. app and they don't have that on Apple TV which is what I oh, use. Oh, I just watch it on my computer. Yeah, and I'm just not willing to sit and watch a movie on my computer mm. anymore. It's definitely it definitely I'll worth checking it. out, especially if you're a Weird Al fan. It has a very funny ending. I, I, that's probably my favorite part. Uh, no spoilers. Take some liberties with the story of Weird Al. I'm just going to tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, but I like that Daniel Radcliffe's out here doing weird shit. Is that what John Hamm's doing in the new Fletch movie? Um, nah, he's not really doing weird shit. He's just being Fletch. Whatever that means, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the Chevy Chase movie. But uh, okay. this this is another uh, movie I watched on a plane. Uh. Pretty good. Pretty funny. Um, definitely kind of understated comedy, uh, which I guess is why I'm putting John Hamm up for a mildly pleased award because it's not like a comedic performance that calls for him to do a lot, but again, that's kind of like part of the charm is that it's it's kind of more subtle, but it's also just kind of him walking in and and being John Hamm uh, in a sort of funny, effortless way, which definitely makes you think it, it would have been nice if he'd gotten to star in more movies like this. Uh, yeah, no, he's good in it. Disappointed myself for not watching it. I, the moment this was announced, I penciled this in for watch for mildly pleased awards because it just sounded like it was going to be a mildly pleased movie. But then I feel like when yeah. it came out, most people that watch movies whose opinions I agree with were like, "Ah, it's actually kind of good, though. It's actually a little, it's a little better than you think it might be." It's slightly so, better than mm-hmm. mildly pleasing. I like I know those are based on books, and I think people said that that one was more. A little more faithful, even than the Chevy Chase one. It's kind of closer to what the character is. It's kind of a better okay. match, and that they should keep making those. So, all for faithful adaptations, just like Black Adam. Incredibly faithful to the source material, I assume. Sean, tell us about Pierce Brosnan and Black Adam. 
so I, I had to find some reason to talk uh, about gotta Black hear Adam about it. somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think the best part of that movie is Pierce Brosnan's performance as Dr. Fate, um, an interesting and important character in uh, the DC Comics, uh, who in this movie is simplified to wizard with a magic memory erasing helmet does the helmet look the same as it does in the comics it does it looks great he's so shiny i'm sure it's all cg it's so shiny it's like lens flare every time any of his armor is shown uh because he's got like uh like shoulder pads and stuff too um but uh dr fate has this like sort of weird like above it attitude in the movie which is appropriate because the movie's dumb as hell so it's cool to have one character who's just like yeah I'm just gonna let the dumb things happen <laughs> um, I mean I do I just enjoy Pierce Brosnan in general he's a fun actor um, and a great singer and um, it, it is the great disappointment of, of Black Adam that uh, they make uh, Dr. Fate die oh no <laughs> it's like the one interesting thing that i would hope would get carried forward is this dr Bummer. fate character and then he's the literally only character in the entire movie who dies but of course he's magic so i mean who knows gives a shit and of course the hierarchy of the dc universe has changed since black adam came out anyway um but it's it's a a funny and uh and charming performance uh nestled away in a movie that is overwhelmed with machismo um <laughs> which i appreciated and uh and i wish more people acted instead of you know just using superhero movies to show off how muscular they were um so good good for you pierce brosnan you did your best uh and it sounds like you had a really good time and that makes me happy i just like thinking about how happy you are you think they'll bring him back because no one gives a fuck about Black Adam in, in terms of canon anymore? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? I mean, I, I, it sounds to me like James Gunn and company are a little uh, nervous about <laughs> tying their new universe into the continuity of yeah. the old universe. Um, seeing as they're also doing things like talking about having Jason Momoa... Right take over as Lobo, like, so they can still keep him as an actor, but in a different part. Um, so maybe they'll do something like that, but maybe Dr. Fate is weird enough that they can be like, yeah, he just traverses the multiverse or whatever. I guess I just, I, I, I just think... I really hope they don't immediately get into multiverse. I just think about how, like, in the last Spider-Man, they, they worked in Netflix Daredevil, and now he's, he's back in the fold, so I wonder if DC at some point yeah. will just for the kind of the fans kind of reach out to some of the smaller characters that maybe people did like and kind of sneak them in to other movies or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just harder because this is a movie where Amanda Waller is there and Superman shows up at the yeah. end. Like it's, it's, it's tied in and it's extremely tied into Shazam, which good luck to Shazam uh, too to come out now that <laughs> the studio behind it is like, this is a meaningless movie. And I'm sure it'll be good. Probably be a good movie. <laughs> Probably make a billion dollars. Speaking of billions of dollars, we got another Avatar movie, which means we get to talk about Sam Worthington for the first time. I guess I put this on here, but I'm not thinking, you know, he's going to get the chance to be on here like three more times. So 
<laughs> uh, but this this is uh, his character has evolved a little bit. Where in the first movie he's kind of you know he's experiencing this world for the first time. He's very he's a naive na- na- navi. It was very hard to say. <laughs> now he's become uh, trapped yourself. Now he's become asshole dad, which is kind of a fun shift. Uh, and he's basically the leader of that of his navi tribe. Um. So I don't know. He gets to do. He gets to do something, and he's serviceable. He's totally serviceable. Yeah, he's better as as uh, angry, scared dad than he is as uh, depressed, depressed guy. guy yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I think it's it's funny they just fully leaned into his character having dreads this time. He's earned it, man. He's earned it. He's, He's earned it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that Jake Sully lives the ultimate white guy fantasy <laughs> of being able to assimilate into every culture he encounters, making that his whole identity, and then rising to the top and being the leader of it. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about him plenty in our Avatar episode. We, we also talked about how this was almost Matt Damon. Which would have been weird. I kind of like that it's normal Sam Worthington. It's funny. I don't think of Matt Damon as a little guy. Like, when I think of Matt Damon. But it's weird to think of him as a very tall monster. Uh, Yeah. That'd be scary. I feel like we talked about, too, that we feel like, for some reason, they would have made his Navi look like him. I don't know why. (laughs) So I guess it would have looked like the Team America puppet or something. It would have been, <laughs> would have been unpleasant to look at. No offense to Matt Damon. We need a blank slate. He's a hell of a blank slate. But was he a blank enough slate to get that <sighs> sauce This is a in? tough... Um, I feel like we give it to Channing so often, but he's so good for it. <laughs> yeah... Man, I th- when going into this, I thought Daniel Radcliffe. Had oh, I, I no, I, I mean, I, I definitely think he does, but I always feel weird giving it something that only one person has seen. But I'm as the, as the representative who's seen that film, I think it's definitely deserved because he did a good job. wasn't the best person for the job, uh, but you know, he gave it a go. It's <laughs> my case for it. Yeah, just to confirm, me. we did give the very first mildly pleased actor award to Anik Tatum <laughs> and Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Oh my god, there's a new Magic Mike coming out this year. Are we going to go see it and then give him a, another nomination? Maybe. Only What's his, are we, what are some of his not mildly pleasing performances? I guess the, tw- the Jump Street movies... Um, I think he's pretty good in Logan Lucky, though we yeah. may have nominated him for that too. I don't remember. I like him. Maybe. He's a great yeah. sport. He's a good guy. Love to hang out with him. He's a good hang. It's such a fucking shame we never got Gambit. I'm actually kind of wishing we'd gotten that movie now. Mm. Remember, I even went to Comic Con and like did like a big like event with a bunch of other <laughs> celebrities, and then there's that footage of. You know, because Stanley's up there too, and like everyone's getting off the stage, and like Stanley's like left behind because he's like too frail, and then Chang Tatum like helps him down the steps. 
moment. That was an interesting moment in time. So he gets the good guy award for sure. Oh, um, yes, he was nominated for Logan Lucky. Okay. Damn. He was also nominated for uh, Foxcatcher. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. He's gotten some noms. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm forgiving it, like I'm forgiving it to Daniel Radcliffe there. just to mix it up. Yeah, Dan Rad. Sounds good to me. You guys should watch it though. I think you'd have a, a fun time for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're definitely gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was on the plane. Called that rock. response. Yeah. It's just funny. To me. What do you What do you want from me? It's, it's, it's no, weird. it just no, not, nothing. It's just funny. Yeah. It's what It's what you get when you're. Sure. <laughs> Recommend a movie like that? Yeah, it's hard. So, it's yeah, hard to recommend. Get excited about a three-star movie. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but that's like moving on to actresses. Three star. I give this like four stars, dude. Prey. Amber Prey. Mid Thunder. Amber Mid Thunder, one of the stars of FX's Legion. Oh, wow. Now remind me, Sean. Did you watch this in what language? Uh, Did you watch it in, in? Was it the Navajo language? Or well, I was just wondering if you watched it. Yeah, if you watched it in English or you were the the native language. Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't. We had a different experience. I watched it in English. Uh, I thought she's pretty good. You know, action-packed role. Could you see some representation? Yeah, I'm not sure it really added anything since it is a movie about her fighting an alien with an axe so it's like yeah what more do you want know. man I don't know about <laughs> realism Paul, did, you, really did you see priority Prey? There. yeah I did you did? okay cool cool did you like the part where she puts an axe on a rope and she starts killing people by throwing that axe around and bringing it back to her like she's fucking Kratos from God of War <laughs> uh yeah it's cool this good, is, this good is like axe a work then, it's like a cool video game then pretty much enough said yeah I, why is this nominated I, it seems like she, she was she did everything that was expected of this kind of role maybe that's it it's just she kind of took a backseat to the action I guess it's less of a performance yeah, maybe I get it yeah I, I don't think she's going to be winning awards for this um in a year where even the scream queens are getting like some award attention right like like mia goth is people are talking about her for what uh, in uh what award like a fangoria chainsaw award (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know on on the internet probably will win but yeah (laughs) yeah give it to her john I'm not sure if, if uh, Amber Mid Thunder will get nominated for a chainsaw. So, okay. Point <laughs> yeah. taken. Um, I don't know. She's in Reservation Dogs, I think, at some point. How's that? Was she? It says she plays Miss Maid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was good in that. Right? Yeah. Stop there doing her thing. Sure. Uh, how about Stacey Edgar Jones? I don't know who that well, is. She's an up and comer. She's in two movies this year. 
I think she was mostly known for British television before this. She was in ah. this, and she's also in a Hulu movie with Sebastian Stan called Fresh, which I haven't checked out yet, but I believe is a cannibal romance movie. A lot of people eating people. Another one, huh? 2022. Let's chew. Um, but Where the Crawdads Sing was Whoa. a weird surprise hit. How long were you saving that I one? I just came up with it right now. Um, wow. And this is a movie about, oh, it's based on a book uh, from a few years ago. And it's a story set, I think it's the 60s, early 60s, about uh, a girl who grows up living in the swamps of North Carolina, basically abandoned by her family. Everyone Ooh. calls her Marsh Girl. And the movie's about her surviving in the swamp. And then, at one point, she's accused of murder and put on trial. And her lawyer is David Strathairn playing Foghorn Leghorn. He wears he literally wears like a white <laughs> seersucker suit when he's defending her this movie is insane it's terrible um uh she's she's good but you can always it's one of those performances where like she's she's doing a southern accent but like i can tell this is a british person i didn't know who she was but like i can Mm -hmm. tell like i know you're a british person i mean i I guess i knew her name going in it's like that's such a british daisy edgar jones you're british and she is um, do you guys mind if I like spoil this movie and why I think the conversation about where the crawdads sing is interesting? Okay. So the whole want. the whole thing about this movie is she's accused of this murder, and it goes out of its way to like explain how like it's so impossible that she could have done this, you know, even as, as well as she knows the swamps. And then there's like a reveal at the very end of this movie because she she gets through the trial and they find her innocent, which everyone is so surprised because it's like. We all hate the Marsh Girl, but then it's just so... They're so convinced that she didn't do it from how uh, courageous her story is. But you find at the very end that she did do it. She did murder this guy who, like, tried to come on to her sexually. Um, and she got away with it. And why that's... Man, guys are so desperate to leave them after go Marsh, after Marsh Girl. Girl. Well, that's another thing. It's like, ugh, Marsh Girl, but, like, she's beautiful. It's like, come on. How does she look so beautiful? She lives in a swamp. Oh, okay. But here's the thing that's super weird about this movie. So, so the author of this book, um, for many years, like, uh, would like conserve like uh, species and um, and land in Africa. Her and her family like lived in Zambia for like years and years, and were very like anti-poacher. And then at some point, I think it was in the '90s, um, a poacher was found mur- like dead, shot dead on their. Uh, where they lived like on their property and they all are like oh i don't know what happened yeah he's just dead i don't know and then years later to write a book that justifies murder is very unusual considering (laughs) this event that happened to her it almost seems like a confession like this is explaining why like sometimes it's okay to kill someone it's it's such a bizarre news story if you haven't gone down that rabbit hole of the author of where the crawdads sing it's fascinating um but yeah, why why was this such a, like a hit this year? I think it's because it's like people love like the stupid trashy airport novel murder mystery kind of book. Uh, insane weird movie. It's on Netflix. It's gonna get a song nomination. Taylor Swift did a song for it. The song's pretty good actually. Um, mm-hmm. and Daisy Edgar Jones, she's she's on the rise. I think you know that's what I use this category for is is actresses that I think we'll all know in a few years. Will be being lots of stuff. Do you think, yeah, that she'll get cast in the Star Wars movie with a name like that? 
she's got to, right? <laughs> it's like a combination of Daisy Ridley yeah. and Felicity Jones. She definitely looks like she'd be in a Star Wars movie, too. She has that look. It's going to happen. Uh, the Invitation. Now, everyone knows Natalie Emanuel, though. Even if you don't recognize her by name, you've seen mm-hmm. her. She's in the Fast movies. She's on Game of Thrones. She's in this movie, Mace The Invitation. Ryan. Which I only kept on here to make the joke that it's the Meghan Markle biopic and that it is a story about a woman of color finding out um, or being embraced by like an English family and then being married into it only to find out that they're monsters. Uh, In this case, vampires. So it's a vampire movie. The the first um, like half hour of this movie was like really fun because it's like really they like hold on to so long to revealing that they're vampires like even though it's so obvious for so long <laughs> but it's like the stupid thing too where it's like oh they can walk around in daylight and you know pretty much everything they basically just have superpowers it's also like a fun twist where you find out like the vampire guy already like has a couple wives so it's like a sister wives situation what? <laughs> it's like do you want to be one of the sister wives how dare it's a really you. dumb movie um I don't know. She's probably too good, though. She's real good. She should be in more stuff. Yeah. It's cool to see her star in something. You know what I'm all for? She wore a septum piercing through, like, the whole movie. And I think, you know, we need to embrace that. That actors can wear their septum piercings in their movies for the whole movie. It looks cool. (laughs) Just like, you know, just like The Rock Um, doesn't have to cover up his tattoos, you know? Just let the actor be themselves. You know, she's going to be in Megalopolis if that actually comes out. You've been following, like, the supposed controversy of that movie lately? Like, the whole yep. art direction team quit. And so people are like, oh, controversy. But then Adam Driver, like, today, like, the, the day we're recording, it's like, everything's going fine. Mm-hmm. And Francis Ford Coppola's like, just I think wait. the problem is probably, like, <laughs> he hasn't really done uh, this heavy, like, of an effects movie ever, really. Yeah, they're shooting on the volume. Yeah. That's that's why he's running so into the problem. So it's probably just like they can't do this this quick and in the way he wants it to. So I'm sure the actors are having a fine time, but it sounds like the technical, uh, the technicians and the technical artists on the film are is having having a nightmare experience. <laughs> really excited to see how long it's going to take for them to finish that movie. It's got a lot of effects. Oh, I was going to transition to She-Hulk, but Lost City's up next. Okay, let's do Lost City. <laughs> Sandy. We're back to the Lost She's City. Back. We've returned. She's wearing a great jumpsuit. Sandra Bullock. Of course, the Keanu Reeves. Of I love Sandra Bullock. Was this uh, the year did. where you watched like a bunch of her movies? I was going to, and then I didn't end up watching that many. I watched like four. <laughs> what, was funny, what was funny is I was going to watch another movie on this list... That involves a train. I don't want to spoil it. But then I watched a few minutes of it, and I'm like, ooh, you know what I want to watch? The Net, which also has Sandra Bullock. Mm -hmm. And then I watched The Net, which is a very weird, funny techno thriller from the 90s. Had a good time. Uh, But no, I didn't end up watching The Lighthouse um, or Practical Magic, even though I feel like I know a lot of other people who watched it this year. I think you watched it this year. I did watch it this year. And Autumn watched it. I didn't, because I I feel like i got to watch it in October, and I fucked up. Mm. Uh, But 
she's still she's still doing it in Lost City. I don't know. You got anything? Nah, not really. <laughs> yeah, she's she's funny in it. Um, yeah, I wish this movie was better because her and Channing Tatum are good in it. They're having a good time. You know who's really good in Lost City is, is Patty Harrison. I wish uh, she was in more. She's like uh, the, oh, she's the assistant. Love Patty she's Harrison. Her assistant. I don't know if you remember that character because uh, I don't remember much of the movie now. Yeah. At the time, she's very good in it. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also liked the use of Brad Pitt in this movie. I thought he that was, was good. I, I thought I, that, I, was I thought that was the funniest part. It was that was the funniest part. And it that did make me funny. think like, ooh, this movie might actually be good. <laughs> yeah. But that's like in the first half hour, and nothing else is really I like quite as good as fate. that. Yeah. Tropic Thundery. We can talk yep. more about him when we get to who. The yeah, train movie, uh, whatever that could movie be. movie about a particular mode of transportation. <laughs> but first, I wanted to throw She-Hulk in here. That's right, a TV performance. Suck it, America. Um, Tatiana Maslany is famous for being able to play a lot of characters in the same show. Uh that's what she did in Orphan Black and now she's here playing Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk in the show She-Hulk Attorney at Law and it's a lot of fun it's uh when you look at how complicated the production of a show like this is you gotta you gotta give it up to the to the actors who uh who make it work because she's in a weird suit with cameras and dots all over her and because she's playing a character that's like two feet taller than she is in real life she's walking around on like a weird platform it's uh, not a natural uh way to act uh and 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 i think there's a whole other debate that exists on how much is her performance and how much is um the performance that cg artists have created on the screen which I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, but Sean, can you? Since I'm really taking it. forever to get through this show, even though I do like it, I think it's funny. What I hear a lot of people hate the ending. What happens at the end? You can spoil it for me. What happens at the ending that makes people hate it so much? <laughs> at the end, so before Deadpool existed, She-Hulk was the Marvel comic that broke the fourth right. wall. Um, she, she was aware that she was in a comic. She would talk to us, the reader, and uh, to pay homage to just the way that the She-Hulk comic works, Jen talks to the camera a lot, makes little asides. And at the end of the series... Um, she is in a final battle, and she does not like that she's in a final battle. So she punches out of the show and into the Disney Plus menu. Wow. And then she breaks out of the Disney Plus menu into Marvel Whoa. Studios. And she goes and confronts Kevin Feige and has him okay, change the I show. Okay, now I gotta watch. That sounds great. <laughs> I like that. It's um, the the shot of her uh, 
literally like jumping through the Disney Plus menu is really jarring because I think it, it does have the effect that you're like, oh shit, did I actually hit the oh, menu button? Wow. <laughs> it's great. Um, but of course, people are pissed off because they're like, oh, the, the hero's journey and b- b- bullshit. People can't just let a comedy show be a comedy and they can't let a show <laughs> about a woman <laughs> succeed. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are anti-She-Hulk, but I thought it was really funny the whole time. Yeah, no, I, you saying that makes me want to finish it, because, um, I was enjoying it. Um, yeah, I I just fell behind, but it, it seemed, you know, it, it seemed like it was doing something a little different than most of your Marvel shows, which I appreciated, you know, that it was a sitcom, which was nice. Yeah, and it was my favorite marvel thing this whole year uh yeah i mean there's nothing that i really liked from them this year so yeah (laughs) it's a rough year for marvel cool but who's gonna take home the mild sauce packet is it future (laughs) star wars star daisy edgar jones (laughs) or is it is is sandy coming in clutch this year i was looking it up she hasn't been nominated before or wait, she hasn't won before. She was nominated once uh, for the movie The Heat. But she lost to her The Heat castmate, Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> so is Sandy going to win The Mild? <laughs> I'm okay with it. Yeah, Why she's not? probably my I, I really like that you guys are like, we got nothing to say. Yeah, she's doing her thing. Sure. I mean, more than one of us have seen it. That's, that's a plus. All right. We've come to the final category then, the most mildly pleasing movie of 2022. And our first nominee is the Bob's Burgers movie. See, I figured they were really going to step up their game since they were doing a movie. You know, like how the Simpsons movie really stepped up their mm-hmm. game. But no, it was just an episode that was long. And about the quality that they're at right now with the with the show, so I got so sleepy and I and really zoned out for the last <laughs> chunk of this movie. And it wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. There was some laughs, and the songs were songs, songs were good. good. Yeah, sure. Could have used maybe even some some more celebrity cameos. Even there wasn't even much of that. No, it's just a long episode that I saw in a movie theater. I'm. On my birthday, which we went to go see on my birthday, and then Sean gave me Crystal Head uh, vodka, Dan Aykroyd's vodka, <laughs> in the parking lot, which was the best vodka I've ever had in my entire life. It was so good. Mm. I have yeah, to get dude. more. It was. I would have <laughs> like to send in my skull and then refill it, because I can't just have a collection of skulls. Because I'm not gonna throw that out. It's way too cool. I've been thinking about like filling it with water to make it look like there's still something in there, but it feels like a tease, and I don't want to fill it with an inferior vodka either. It's got to be Dan's special stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kind of kind of let down a little bit with Boss Burgers. It's not a bad movie, but I was just I expected a little more. Dude, did you see it, Colin? I'm I'm right there with yeah, you. I never saw it. Yeah. Okay. 
I even like watched a bunch of the show to get ready for it. Like I was so ready to be into it, and then really wasn't. Just like yeah. You're like me, getting weird recommended to me. Getting weird. <laughs> sure. Um, but Bullet Train. I can, could not come up with a transition yeah. to save my life. <laughs> Do they eat burgers in Bullet Train, Sean? No, they're in Japan, so they eat like sushi and stuff. Yeah, no, no way to transition. Take it away. <laughs> Um, it is a, uh, you know, like a big name action movie, which like not a lot of those come out in theaters anymore that aren't like franchises. And it's kind of funny and it's kind of interesting. Um, and it's it's got a it's got a likable cast. Uh, Brad Pitt is is the main guy, but you also have uh, Joey King and Aaron James Johnson, and Brian Tyree Henry. You think I so? Hope not, but there's there's, there's Brian Tyree are... Henry. That's a weird choice. <laughs> the Brian Tyree Henry for James Bond is my dream. That would be so good. Oh my god! But yeah, no, Aaron Taylor Johnson, like he's been on the news lately. Oh, because he's in, like, Inception. No, uh, Tenet. And I think that... Yeah, okay. Know, for some reason, I think that sucks, even though I don't really dislike him. I don't like it. Who's the, be- who, who's who's the best character ass. in Bullet Train, Sean? Who's, who's bringing it? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Sandra Bullock is in it for a while. Miley Cleese winner. That's mm-hmm. fun. Um, you have uh, a few cameos by TV people like Masioka and Karen Fukuhara from The Boys. Those are cool yeah. to see. Uh, Bad Bunny is built up as a really important character, and then he dies immediately. Got his own superhero movie for his his appearance in this. <laughs> I, I don't get that. Um, I mean, I'm always a fan of Hiroyuki Sonata. Oh, He's cool. Yeah. He shows up. Scorpion. His, his yeah, from role. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, I don't know. It's not great. I think if anyone's like, I hate this movie, I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight against anyone who hates this. I had a good time though, and uh, like I said, I think it's unique to see a, an original action movie, even though it's not like original original. It's clearly riffing on the movies that came before it, especially like Kill Bill. Um, in my review, I compared it to um, Bad Times at the El Royale, which was another movie that is <laughs> really. Uh, ripping off Quentin Tarantino, but also just, like, stylish and fun and has some good performances in it, and also just nobody cared about it. And at least Bullet Train did, like, Yeah, okay it did pretty good. So some so. people cared about it. We're gonna get another train? Um, bullet plane, perhaps? <laughs> bullet plane. <laughs> I, 
I hope not. See on the this doesn't see need to on be the a Concord, maybe. Oh, Bring it back. There you go. Make it Hollywood. Make it Hollywood. Like, Elvis. yeah, dude. A lot of spectacle. He did Hollywood dude. for a while. Sure. He's make. He made so many good movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Remember how Elvis is like? We're gonna spend f- four hours on like one month in his life and then gloss over it. Yeah. Decade. And then what a, spend what a fever dream of a movie. Then spend another hour on an, on one particular month. <laughs> also, make sure to give a lot of screen time to the penguin. Uh, yeah, access the penguin, or excuse me, gold members. He's really more of a gold member type. <laughs> Who loves Christmas? Um, I had he's all I had American. fun watching this movie though, because uh, I mean, Awesome Butler is is so good in this. It's it's weird that out of all like in this huge fever dream of a movie, there's a really great performance at the center of it somehow. And that he, at this point might win best actor. And I'm totally on board for it at the Oscars. It's just crazy that that happened when there's so much madness surrounding it. (laughs) This movie that like, will move like it moves at breakneck uh, pace for like, for like an hour, maybe longer than that. And then like slows down so slow in the last half hour. And it's in those moments from like, there's actually like a really compelling drama in here. What was all that other shit at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> make up your mind, man. Or just make it about this portion. I don't know. Uh, frustrating in that respect because you're like, this is the, the story of Elvis is so is so interesting about this this very charismatic, talented young know, man who uh, became like a puppet. In a way, to this to this super villain, <laughs> it's very tragic. Uh, and it's also very long. Yeah, it's very long. And also, there's not a ton of Elvis's music. Either. Weirdly, not. We get again. We get some in his Vegas years, but early on, there's like we get that Doja Cat cover. I feel like that gets a bigger spotlight than a lot of his other stuff. A lot of the time, even when he does get to perform a song, we don't get to hear the whole thing. No, not really. It's it feels like they have more love for the story than the actual music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Boz Lerman, man. Next to go big or go home. Yes, and that's I mean that's the thing about it is there are some of the most bonkers shots <laughs> I've ever seen in this movie. He's doing things with set design and camera movement and special effects that no one else dares to even conceive of. Uh, and that makes it fun. Yeah, it makes it fun. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Going back to that three-hour movie thing. Um, but Another movie that I wish was more <laughs> was... Doctor Strange, uh, the Multiverse of Madness, or as we've written here, the Multiverse <laughs> of Bullshit. It's one last little dig at it, I guess. <laughs> there was a lot of hype because Sam Raimi was coming back as the uh, director of a Marvel movie. It was a Doctor Strange movie. That's the seems like the superhero aside from Spider-Man. He always wanted to 
to direct a movie about. I mean, he even made Doctor Strange references, or a, at least a reference. Yes, I remember. That was funny. In Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and then, I think in part due to Sony putting Spider-Man out before Doctor Strange, uh, which was not the original plan, uh, I think this movie really suffered from a combination of superhero fatigue and multiverse fatigue. Uh, multiverse fatigue, but then also they like spend most of their time in one verse. That's yeah. not even like one of the more interesting ones. It's mostly that weird, like kind of semi-perfect future world. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like it's New York, but there's more plants. Also, stuff, pizza, papa. <laughs> also pizza Papa. You see the, how good are like the little Sam Raimi touches though that you can like point out, like the Bruce Campbell slapstick stuff, or fucking zombie Doctor Strange with his weird like cape made of souls. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's definitely some weird, cool like camera stuff in there. Yeah, like the um, that first fight scene with the tentacle monster. That's good. Yeah, New York. it's good, but it also it feels like the Spider-Man movies. Like he she shoots yeah. that like weird sort of like I don't know Twilighty like beautiful version of New York yeah. City that I I only think of as in those Spider-Man movies, and then it's it's here in Doctor Strange for a couple scenes. Sure, all that stuff's cool. It's just like. All the stuff that has to tie into like the lore and like, and I'm not really that invested in any of the Scarlet Witch stuff, even though I like Elizabeth Olsen, you know, in that role. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is that we all just watched a movie or a, a, a TV show in 2021 about how she's been through so much trauma that made her an extremely sympathetic character, and then they use that as justification for her to be the villain of this, and they don't even beat her on the bush. She, from the first scene, she's she's the bad guy. Um, which I mean, on one hand, it is cool to have a villain that we care about so much because so many movies in the Marvel universe have villains that no one gives a shit yeah. about, and they've been pretty good about that lately. Um, I mean, maybe that's one of the strengths of I think this whole phase is they have really good villains. Um, but at the same time, I, I was hoping for her redemption. I was hoping for her to have a happy ending, and instead she explodes into a puff of smoke. Yeah, Sean, we don't got time for that. We have to devote time to the Council of Bullshit. The Illuminati, yeah. which is uh, just uh, a collection of, um, of cameos. So, mm-hmm. so odd to see, you know, Patrick Stewart, who uh, we, we assumed had this beautiful send-off in Logan. Is now back in his fucking stupid big ass yellow chair <laughs> to the cartoon music. You think that's the clip they're gonna play when he dies, like his in memoriam at the Oscars? <laughs> he looks like he's like singing into it. He looks like a baby in a high chair. Yeah, I don't know why that wheelchair is so. It goes big. up way too high. It goes up like to his pecs or something. Yeah, it's above his waist. It's so weird. Uh, but that's cool. We got to see Mr. Fantastic. So cool. It's John Krasinski because he's like physically similar. So he's perfect. And he also has a wife who's an actor. So he's perfect. He's definitely going to play him. 
But... Yeah, I hope this is the last we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember for uh, many years, I was like, they should get John Hamm, and I feel like there's still a chance it could happen. Yeah. Come on, John Hamm. <laughs> Uh, and Black Bolt. I don't think so, John. Black Bolt, good, great. To see. Everyone loves Black Bolt. So great to see him back. I, you know, but you got to give it up to Anson Mount. He had a great year. Good for him. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm glad that he has a character that he enjoys playing, and that I guess people like. And uh, even though he doesn't get to say anything, that's fun. Uh, I'm Check out Star Trek: Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus. It's a good time. One more thing about Doctor Strange. There has that cool music battle, but then I remember people later saying, like, they ripped that off from something. Do, do you know what they ripped it off from, Sean? I remember there's controversy about that. Uh, I, just, I, I remember. Don't, I don't know if we're allowed to like that scene. <laughs> I thought it was cool. I don't know. It seems like I can imagine it's been done a handful of times in, in different things, especially in games. Yeah, that's that was my take. Is like it's it's probably just a parallel thought because I mean they're saying it's it's from a game, right? That they're ripping off some I think RPG so. or something. I think so, yeah. So it's like, eh. I mean, there's a chance, and that sucks, but it also could just be, you know, it's a cool idea that multiple people came up with. Oh, yeah. All right. Colin. Speaking of. Can you give, me, speaking, can you give yeah. me one more thing that we haven't said about Lost City? Is there any, literally anything else you could even think of that we haven't touched on? Because I can't. Um, well, Sean's mentioned um, multiple people thinking of the same idea. And this movie is kind of just romancing the stone. It is um, <laughs> literally, but it is a slightly funner concept because Channing Tatum is the model for the books that Sandra Bullock writes. It's a little more streamlined. Yeah, um, but they didn't improve upon yeah, it's it. Like unfortunately, if, <laughs> it's like if Stephen King and Pennywise went on an adventure. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> I don't pencil that one in. Who could play <laughs> Stephen King? I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about that. Um, Lost City, yeah, whatever. I watched it on. A, it's either Paramount or Peacock or some bullshit. You watch it on a plane. On a plane. <laughs> yep. I think it did okay. I don't know. I guess yeah. It's nice to see these movies being made. See that comedy still exists. Yeah. In some shape or form. It was more just a movie that I wanted to like more than I ended up liking it. Wasn't this on your least anticipated list? It was on my least anticipated list. Wow. But I think I also... What a turnaround. I think I also said the same thing back then, where I was like, "Mm, it would be nice if this was kind of good. And it is a little good. It has its moments. I remember laughing a few times. Um, Sure. But yeah, once it gets into the romance and the... Kind of the main plot of them, I don't know, getting into hijinks in the forest. It just didn't didn't do that much <laughs> to improve upon the uh, sort of 
action. More like high stinks. Yeah. High stinks. Um, what movie should we give this award to? Our final award. Here's my concern, my <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, I thought The Lost City would have automatically had it because oh, it was nominated in three no. categories. But you guys have unsold me on ever watching this movie. No. I have no, no. interest. I have once I saw it added to the list. There's a movie that I am like, that's for me. That's it with a bullet. And, and what it's but it's not bullet train. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For me, it's Elvis because we all saw it. It's like kind of good. It's also kind of a mess. It's also probably gonna win like best actor at the Oscars, which is funny but also deserved. I feel like it's such a good balance of like good and bad. Um, and I, you know, uh, it'd be because then you could just you could play out the episode with an Elvis song too. It's easy. <laughs> easy, easy well, I, well, yeah, I think that's okay. I think it's kind of interesting. Didn't we all give it three stars? We did. On Letterbox. I feel like it's not your typical mildly pleased movie of the year, just because. I feel like the mildly pleased movies don't take as big a swings as this movie does. <laughs> like stylistically, it does, they don't usually have the the big highs and lows that this movie has. Yeah, they're usually they're, they're usually like not ambitious. Yeah, it's just you know it's like a, a, a solo a Star Wars story like that kind of movie. <laughs> Uh, it's just like everybody showed up and did their job, but this, I mean, Bosler would put a lot of effort into making this thing really yeah. big and bombastic, but it's also a deeply flawed movie. Um, but yeah. I'm okay with that. He, he, took, he took a huge swing, but he took it with like a hockey stick at a baseball <laughs> <laughs> Not even playing the same game. Yep. Put somebody's eye out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe we can take a cue from Elvis and have a little less conversation next year when we do oh, this. So good. Um, because long boy, <laughs> maybe we should have given it three-hour-long movies because this was a long one. Yeah, we're cutting a category again yeah, next year. This is way too much. Um. But uh, thank you for hanging with us, and uh, hopefully, at least you you put this on in a situation where you needed to kill some time and were able to, to do it with us. And uh, if not, you can, well, you probably just looked at the post on the blog and saw the winners and moved on in your life. And that's fine, too. Um, that blog is mildlypleased.com. Go there to read more things, including our top 10 list of the things that we actually did like. Um, probably by the time you're hearing this we'll, we'll be into movies so that'll be uh, wrapping up probably pretty soon uh, and then also uh, subscribe to Mildly Please on your podcast app of choice and get more podcasts including um, everyone's favorite podcast of the year the most and least anticipated movies of 2023 that'll be coming out real soon until then uh, it'll be in our thoughts Jiggle, jiggle. I like to see you wiggle, wiggle. My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. I like to see you wiggle, wiggle. For sure. It makes me want to dribble, dribble. You know, riding in my fear. You really have to see it. Six feet two in a compact. No slack.